holiday season. Get out of there! Mama's teeth have fallen out of her mouth again. Santa's got a brand new bag. Santa just yammied in your handbag. But now, his unbelievable journey. Come on, Jake. We can make it. Father Christmas, just tell me what you want from me. Is about to become something very special. Maybe I should just go with it. So, um, I'm, I, I'm, I, I feel bad, Landon. I just want to start out with a mea culpa because I, I watched, um, I watched the wrong movie for, for this week. Um, what? I know. I, I, I went out and I, I watched, I, I thought I had the right one. The, the title was almost the same, but I watched this movie about where a kid has to transform himself into one of, uh, America's leading, uh, leftist public intellectuals. And I watched I'll Be Gnome for Christmas where a kid has to become Noam Chomsky. Are you, wait, are you are you sure that's uh, not with a G and it's part of the uh, Sherlock Gnomes <laughs> franchise? Wait, you know, I guess I was confused when I was watching <laughs> it that there wasn't any trenchant criticism of the, uh, you know, organizing principles of capitalism and a lot of just hijinks <laughs> about, like, wearing a pointy hat and being out that, in the garden and everything. That That's uh, number 17 in that series called Noam Chomsky. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's amazing. It's amazing that that they got there after only seventeen. I feel like they would have had had to go a lot further to start getting into gnome based social commentary and criticism. It's just a a Spalding Gray uh, storytelling sort of <laughs> movie. Yeah, but it's, it's it's that's swimming to Camnomia actually. Uh, it's uh, or Gnomebodia maybe. Um, anyway. Folks, that was a bit of tomfoolery. I know that all of you are are rushing right out to find the Noam Chomsky related uh, <laughs> uh, gnome children's film that I was talking about, but no, we we watched we watched a different movie than that. I I think I did watch the right movie. Uh, and I have a question for you. Okay, okay. Why did you think that was a good way to start our episode? Well, Landon, <laughs> I'm not. I don't have very good comic sensibilities. Uh, no, that was that was a great way to start this episode. Thanks. Um, thanks. I, I just there, there's a prescient question that is at the heart of this movie and our podcast. Yes, that I just I feel like we've never explicitly asked, and this movie is forcing us to. Okay, okay. I mean, I I'm I'm shocked at the concept that there's anything we have not asked or speculated about on this podcast. We've talked but... a lot about this. We we've I mean, we've talked a lot about this. But we haven't ever really addressed the question. Uh why was the Hudsucker proxy not more warmly received? Just ask me the question. <laughs> ask me the question. Don't give me more room to do bits. The the question is what is it with fucking cars? What is it with fucking cars? Thank you. Thank you. I love that even when Tim Allen isn't in the movie, it's like if you spend a lot of time around Tim Allen, now that follows you. It's like, oh, yes. you played you played Tim Allen's son on TV, therefore you have to have a fixation on classic cars. I remember a few episodes ago when we did Zoom and I Oof. essentially broke you with one of my theories. Um I, I have one for this movie, and it might even bleed into real life. Okay, um, that I think is going to test the the bounds of your patience. I, I, I man, I if there, I live for having the bounds of my patience tested. <laughs> uh, it is like it, it. It's just it's so galling because it's like it doesn't seem like 
Like, is JTT really into classic cars? I mean, I guess we were reading the book about him, but I thought he was more into well, fly fishing than cars. JTT is playing a character in this movie. This isn't... Wait, wait what? It's not starring JTT as JTT. I'm sorry to break it to you. Oh, fuck. Okay, okay. I watched the right movie, but I watched it the wrong way. I, I'm sorry, guys. I forgot how... I forgot the concept of drama and acting. This happens to me from time to time. <laughs> So wait, so you you mean to tell me Johnny Depp isn't actually a gnome? Oh man, I have to go back and rewatch Sherlock Gnomes now. Um, <laughs> Was he? Did he play the voice of Sherlock Gnomes? Yeah, he played the voice of Sherlock oh. Gnomes. Have you not been keeping up on gnome-related films? I have not. No, I'm uh, sorry. Have we said out loud the name of the movie that we watched this we, week? By I'll the way? be home for Christmas. It, uh, released in 1998, starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Woo. Truman, while I look up the specs for this movie, uh, why don't you? Tell the people, the fine folks, the listeners of our podcast, what the hell this movie is about. Don't you go saying the word hell, because this is a movie about Christmas. Suave, super cool college student Jake Wilkinson, played by Home Improvement's Jonathan Taylor Thomas, is reluctant to travel from California back to New York for Christmas with his dad and new stepmom. But when his father offers to give him his vintage 1957 Porsche if he arrives by 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve, Jake decides to make the trip back with his girlfriend, Allie. But his plans are complicated when bullies kidnap him, glue him into a Santa suit, and abandon him in the desert, forcing him to miss his ride with Allie. Now, Jake has to hitchhike across the country to get home in time for Christmas, all while trying to stop his nemesis Eddie from putting the moves on his lady friend. That is a... Damn full synopsis, sir. Thank you. You know, thank you, know, thank you, Landon. Part of it is that this movie is pretty simple, and part of it is that uh, this is kind of my job. Um, <laughs> wow. All right. Well, let's go into some specs of this movie before yes. we start to dive in. Um, I think I'm going to switch it up a little bit. And, and Ooh. Uh, this movie is so predicated on the JTT that mm-hmm. – uh, we, we, I think we got to start there. Mm-hmm. Of course. This is an odd duckling, I think. Um, it, it come, It's in 1998, so it's right when he quits the show. But mm-hmm. he quits the show for college. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if this was like the summer before the final season where he had the last you know, two or three episodes that he was doing. You can see how I would, again, think that this was a documentary about JTT, because he quit the show for college, and he's in college in the movie. Like, he was making he was making this movie. It's like, college seems awesome. This is amazing. And, well, right. And uh, he would have been in college by the time the character of Randy would have been in college by... There's a lot of interesting uh, parallels between Home Improvement and this movie, but... Yes, uh, yes. We'll get there. So... Um, 1998, uh, yeah, he would have obviously been filmed before 1998, so let's just say, you know, summer of 97, um, maybe very early 98, and, Mm -hmm. uh, his final episodes would have appeared, um, when was his final, was, were they in 97? Oh, God, dude, you're you're the one who's gonna remember this. Go, Uh, go listen to our episode about it, and we'll see. September... Of 1998. So even mm. if he had filmed this in early of 1998, filmed this in early of 1998 is what mm. I said. That's Jesus good. Christ. That's good. Real um, words. Real words. Uh, he would have um, uh, been able to go to college after this movie. So uh, this comes one year after Wild America. Wow. What, a, and I like... feel like he's a thousand years older. <laughs> Wild America where he is the the little brother 
getting yes. picked on constantly by yes. his older siblings. And then in this one where he is like a full on man who like drives a car and has at least somewhat, you know, amorous interest in a lady. Um, yeah, this is the the sex in this is interesting. Don't, don't Co- okay. it, you're, you're you're giving people you're giving people high hopes. There's not actual sex in this movie. Well, it's I listen. This is a Disney movie. It is, but it's kind of horny. It's it's got it's, oh, it's got this, a horn This to might it. be the horniest Disney movie. I mean, no, next to no, Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Any any Don Bluth animated film before he broke <laughs> off was the horniest Disney movie. But this is close. This is yeah. He he lies uh, in bed with her. He acknowledges that she said she wants to wake up next to him. She pull he pulls a towel off another guy. <laughs> oh boy, we're gonna talk about that scene for a long time. <laughs> oh god. So then, yeah, he he does this in '98. He finishes up um, Home Improvement in '98. Then he does two movies in 1999: Speedway Junkie and Walking Across America. Um, this movie is basically Walking Across America. Branch out, JTT. Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? I meant Walking Across Egypt is uh, the name of the movie. Could not be more different than America, Landon. It's on the <laughs> other side of the world. <laughs> also, don't walk across Egypt. It is not a hospitable climate for that sort of activity. Yeah. Um. Then he does a lot. He does some more voice acting in 2000. Uh, so he, he never really stopped. Like, he, he always had something going, it looks like, until 2006. Then he stopped and didn't come back till 2011 for another young Simba uh, revival. Mm. Um, do, do, you, anyway. do you think I, – I like to picture him, like, when he quit acting for realsies in 2006. I just, like, like – Dr. Manhattan going to Mars in Watchmen, like to this day, like JTT <laughs> is just sitting up there making gigantic castles with his mind on the red planet. <laughs> I love that. Um, anyway, so I want to just have in context uh, as we, we talk about him in this movie is like, I, I'm getting out is mm-hmm. kind of his mindset. Like this is, this is what I'm leaving him with. Yeah. This is this is my swan song. This is my Orson Welles in Transformers. <laughs> well, I don't know if that equates exactly, but uh, your point's taken. Um, it's not as good. I agree. Let's uh, let's talk about the director, Arlene Sanford. Uh, Girl power, yes. Directed by a woman. Yes, uh, she Woo! is. She has directed an episode of Arrested Development, sir. <gasps> wow, there's a lot of that going on these days. There is, yeah. Um, she is mostly a TV director. She has had her hands on so many things. Um, uh, still working to this day. Uh, let's see. Gracie and Frankie, Madam Secretary, <laughs> Bones, Nashville, uh, Franklin and Bash. <laughs> oh, I, I am never going to learn what that show is about. I like to just think about the name. <laughs> White Collar. Uh, let's see, how about Harry's Law with uh, Kathy Bates, Desperate Housewives, um, Drop Dead Diva, Medium, Grey's Anatomy, Monk, Boston Legal. I mean, she's, psych, I mean, she's just, like, so prolific uh, with her directing credits on TV that, uh, you know, it's easy to call her successful at her job. She clearly knows how to put a thing together. And I, I would say this movie's not even poorly directed for what it is. No, 
no, it's not. I have generally warm opinions. I, I also want to call out, looking at her filmography, she did direct uh, an episode, perhaps the only episode, of the failed Ferris Bueller TV series. Oh, yes. And mm, history rhymes sometimes with how this movie uh, turned out. <laughs> uh, we'll circle back on that soon. Yes. Um, okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about the writers, shall we? Um, yes, if we must got... give attention to writers, I hate doing that. We've got two uh, credited screenplay writers and one story by. Uh, Michael Aylin is who the story's by, and not too well. Or actually, not too much recent. I, he was the one that I found kind of interesting, which makes me wonder when I tell you his credits whether or not this was like something that was sitting on the shelf for a while. Because mm-hmm. when I read these, you might get us get the sense that i do which is this might have been like a 1980s john hughes sort of deal uh that just never got off the ground yeah um he wrote the adaptation for flash gordon no <laughs> the boy. one in, from 1980 flash um, uh yeah yeah he wrote enter the dragon with bruce lee damn damn yeah. okay he wrote um yeah, well, actually, he didn't write anything between Flash Gordon and Hotel Paradise. Well, nothing that was uh, uh, published. Hey, hey. Wow. You don't want to do that now. Sorry, she but, was trying to eat the, eat the microphone. Do, do we do we want to acknowledge that Landon has a small cat in the room with him? So that oh, if yeah. We, this yeah, is our third hear... podcaster now. Yes. Uh, I forgot. We got to introduce her to the, the, the full audience, not just our patrons. Yes. Uh, everyone meet Bela. She uh she is now our third co-host. Yeah. Um she uh, is uh trying to find a snuggly spot to to curl up in for the remainder of the episode. I, I think she brings a, a fun new energy to our podcast. You know, I, I I producers were saying that we need to kind of skew younger, so we got a like <laughs> what, six week old uh kitten. She's thirteen she, weeks. Thirteen weeks old. I'm I'm so well she could but she can play six weeks. She's very versatile <laughs> like that. Yeah, she could. Oh, you're getting sleepy, aren't you? Oh, okay, yeah, she well, is. Cause she's bored the shit out of you. Because she's listening to our podcast. <laughs> Half of it. She can't hear you. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Because it's really gripping and riveting stuff over on this side with my Noam Chomsky jokes. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so he just wrote a story by credit. Um, yes. Which, as I said, th- do you feel like this could have been an 80s movie? I mean, y- y- I-, I sort of do. Like, I feel like this could be a movie that was... I don't know. I feel like this is a movie that, that could only exist after Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out. So, like, anywhere after that, there was, like, what's a sure. movie about a, a sly, cool kid on the take? And how can we how can we put Ferris yeah. Bueller in different situations? I, I mean, I agree with that. I could see, like, a young Andrew McCarthy in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I So, I don't know. I, I guess it. this feels just... This feels less like something that had been rattling around forever than, like, I don't know, than, than uh, Crazy on the Outside does or these other scripts where it's very much like, mm-hmm. th- this feels dated. Like, th- this feels like something that came together relatively quickly. I, I do see on Wikipedia that... Um, the script was originally positioned as a vehicle for a 20-something actor, but then Disney had the script rewritten as a vehicle for Jonathan Taylor Thomas as a, quote, Ferris Bueller-type prep school upperclassman, which now calls into question, maybe he's not a college student. Like, maybe they're in high school. But he just... They definitely are in college. But, like, but well, that's... There's a lot of ambiguity here, because it's, like, it's a residential... 
school I mean, there's, on the other there side is of questions, the country. But it literally starts with a title card that says Palisades College. Oh, Palisades College? Okay, well, that's, <laughs> I mean, folks, you, you you know this about me. I can't read. I'm, I'm not into that shit. Uh, <laughs> well, let's let's talk about these writers real quick because we got to yeah. get into this. Um, we got two credited writers. One is Harris Goldberg. Yes. Uh, who, oh, boy. What do we say uh, kindly about Harris Goldberg? Um, um, you know, we'll we just, can... we'll just, we'll just, we'll well, just say I mean... what he did, and we okay. won't comment on it. Okay. He was the writer of one Deuce Bigelow, Mal Gigolo. Yep. Yep. He was and... the writer of one Master of Disguise, starring Dana Carvey. Do you, he was do you think? The, uh, <laughs> do you... He wrote the story for Without a Paddle. Oh man, I mean that's well. I mean the lore of of without a paddle is so deep, though. That I mean that's really that's really impressive. <laughs> uh, and he has a handful of TV credits and uh, a couple story buys. Do Do you think when they were shooting the Master of Disguise, I mean, do you think he was on set on on the famous day that is when when like nine eleven happened and everyone God. on set stopped and and observed a moment think... of silence while filming the <laughs> turtle turtle scene. With uh, an improviser like uh, Dana Carvey, I can't imagine they had a writer on set. Mm, yeah, I suppose that's true. Boy, I would love to see some of the improv bits he did when he found out 9-11 happened, though. Those were probably <laughs> pretty blue. <sighs> uh, what do we got? Uh, the other writer is Tom Nernsel. Uh Kind of interesting smattering of stuff not not a whole lot uh yeah. he also co-wrote the story without a paddle uh, a couple tv series mm. episodes mm-hmm. uh movie called step toward tomorrow maniac mansion i gotta check that one out oh hey is um, that is that based on the uh lucas arts point and click uh, adventure game because ooh, i'd be into that interesting i don't know there's only three episodes um wow maniacs yeah. left the mansion i guess the artwork does not tell me, so uh, I'll mm. do some more research and let you know off air. Thanks, appreciate that. Uh, so that's that's our creative team. I mean, we can get into uh, nothing about the cinematography or editing or you know anything like that really caught my eye. So I don't know that we need to go deep into the the weeds on that stuff. But probably um, not. Probably yeah. not. I guess one last uh, we can get into you know the remainder of this cast as we go through the deep dive, but. I was not prepared for Jessica Biel to be in this movie. I I was not prepared for Gary Cole to be in this movie. So <laughs> we, we we were both caught off guard by different people. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and we'll talk about Jessica Biel, I guess, as we go into it. But uh, she's coming off a of Seventh Heaven. She's you know just starting to emerge as um, it's. She's in a weird place here because this is 1998 by 2004. So just in. Uh, four to six year span here she goes from like this this teen heartthrob you know kind of genre of actor to uh starring in the texas chainsaw massacre remake and kind of reinventing her adult acting image yeah yeah i think she she this this movie works for her i mean i think she's really good in this i'm surprised how many kind of good lines and bits she has. I mean, yeah. certainly she is still... Whether or not they're needed is a question, but well, she you know, does well with them. She does she does well with them, but also just I, I don't know, like I'm not I'm not gonna go out and say that that this is a great part necessarily, but I feel like yeah. her her role is written better than the cute girlfriend of the main character in a teen heartthrob comedy yes. usually Agreed. is. And and so, you know, I I'm I'm happy for her it, that she got this. 
I'll give it this. Uh, I, I'm happy that it's that she is playing his girlfriend and not just like the object of his desire that he has to acquire. Yes. I mean, there's exactly. still a certain amount of competition for, you know, objectification, but yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that they start as boyfriend and girlfriend, which also feels really eighties to me. I do, the concept of having a girlfriend is very eighties. <laughs> no, that like that, that feels like the, you know, I, I feel like once you got to the 90s in these sorts of movies, it was all about the, like, outsider guy who just needs to do something to to win the girl over. Who uh, needs to say anything to win the girl over, maybe. Well, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of that in the 80s, but it had to start somewhere. I feel like I a lot of it in the 80s was just like, you take for granted that everyone's just kind of in a relationship, either getting into one or getting out of one, or there's, you know, the the extreme nerds who you know are are creating a kelly lebrock uh mm-hmm. yeah they're, or they're getting or they're getting revenge yeah things like that i mean right yeah exactly. and well well and also again ferris bueller right out of the box it's like yeah ferris bueller he's super cool and does he also have the hottest girlfriend in the world yes absolutely don't question it you just know that they're together that actress is going to go on to marry jim henson's son it's fine it's good we're all happy for her oh my god um um Let's uh, before we get into the deep dive, I, I want to know what your experience was with this film. Uh, I'm assuming you hadn't seen it before. I, I had I had not seen it before. I think I'd seen some of it on TV. I think I'd seen like the ending of it on TV. Mm. Uh, so the so spoiler, I, I I knew that he doesn't actually get the car. That he finds out that there's something more important. What is it with fucking cars? I what what about the beep beep and the vroom vroom? Uh, I, I I can't I can't put my <laughs> finger on it. Uh, look, my experience watching this movie now, though, I, I mean, I, again, I've talked about this before, just, my, my, I guess the biggest thing I'm learning from watching the movies that the Home Improvement cast made is that they, they didn't, they, the Home Improvement cast was in a lot of really bad movies, because watching <laughs> this, I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. This is, all, I'm, I'm surprised how much I'm enjoying this. This is a, oh, this is a fun little thing. This is a nice romp. I'm having a good time. And then afterwards, I'm looking at the reviews and just like Roger Ebert giving it one star, people saying it's drivel and it's <laughs> shit. And I'm like, I, I think this movie is like, this is a movie that is targeted at a younger audience. Uh, it yeah. is so much less condescending than Zoom is. Oh my God. It Zoom, is. We're not going to, I think Zoom is the new Quentin Tarantino. I, I cannot have that mentioned in my presence again <laughs> I, okay but but like you're 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 the one who's always bringing it bringing up quentin tarantino though that's the thing i'm the one who keeps bringing up zoom i and also this movie was like it's surprisingly not mean-spirited also i guess yeah. compared to california dreamin which really hit caught me off guard with just how nasty it was like this this mm. movie is like you know th- like even the bad guys in this movie aren't that bad the stakes never that high uh, yeah. like everybody everybody in the movie is kind of like uh, like the the nicest most idealized version of whatever stock character they're playing <laughs> it's like it's it's a it is a kinder gentler america to paraphrase george hw bush and um you know uh i don't know so I, I, like obviously there's issues with the movie that we'll talk about but i can't get mad at it but how how did you feel i yeah it, it went down smooth but um <laughs> i i was struggling to remember it like a couple hours after watching it. Uh, yeah, it did not always happens. It did not resonate with me at all. Um, but, but I did not find almost any of it objectionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
there there were some like questions I have over characterization and whatnot, but like I also didn't it didn't I didn't find it obnoxious enough to care. <laughs> hey, uh, you see, whereas you know I, I dig into these things in other movies that are like proactively annoying do you think it's just that movies have somehow got like is it really that movies are kind of worse now just in that everything is part of some like everything is either a cookie cutter direct to streaming yeah. looks like yes. shit kind of experience or it's part of a planned 75 movie marvel ripoff thing yes. whereas in, in 1998, there could just be a theatrical release movie yeah. about Jonathan Taylor Thomas wearing a Santa suit, well, meeting some cool people on the road, and it doesn't mean anything. This is a, a, a specific gripe of mine, which is why I can't watch a lot of stuff these days, uh, maybe made in the last 20 or so years, which this film feels like it comes out right right before or like as it's happening, but not engaging with it, where... Mm -hmm. and, and, Maybe this is horror film specific, but like I feel like any film that has teenagers in it now, the teenagers are just deplorable. They yeah. aren't real characters. They're just like real shitty assholes or yeah. they're being bullied by real shitty assholes. And I'm like, yeah. it, it can't be that dire out there, folks. I mean, like, can we have just a normal, as you said, low stakes, like do do we have to have a bully holding a knife to someone's stomach, you know, to, to make us care? Uh, I, I kind oh. of like that we're just like, oh, they got to get home. And, you know, she his girlfriend has to take a ride home with the guy who likes her and she has to hold up her boundary. <laughs> like it's it's but the guy's not like rapey <laughs> about I, okay. it. Now, now, yes, uh, agree with all your points, but I'm going to throw down a huge, like, Uno reverse card that's going to fuck up oh, your whole okay. game here. Now, uh, you're lamenting teenagers are deplorable in movies these days. Yes, agreed. Yep. Counterpoint, JTT is a pretty smug dipshit in yes. a lot of this movie. And in the in the end of the movie, when he supposedly learned all his lessons, he steals a sled from a local Christmas parade <laughs> so he can get home faster. Second he, point. Yes, but the, he, uh, second he's point, a... Second point. Can I can I finish? Can I finish, please? Can I finish? On on Can I get a word in? Secondly, you say, you know, that the they're they're being they're the victim of psychotic bullies, uh, and that's not the case here. He gets crossways with some bullies. They 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 leave him in the middle of the desert, like fucking the movie Casino or something. It's like Joe Pesci getting killed in a cornfield, spoiler alert. It is that is shocking. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's one of my notes. We'll get into it. But um, I will say, yes, JTT is kind of a smug dipshit here, but he's doing it with like a heart of gold. Like his intentions yes. are good for the most part. Like he's yes. just kind of a rap scallion. He he's not really out is. there like trying to, you know, build a an empire that's going to be exploiting people. I don't know. I Have we got... Have we, Am I talking to Noam Chomsky right now? Talking about an <laughs> empire of exploitation? <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I, well, look, I, I, I agree. I think that, I think that again, th this movie is just a testament to the thing we've been saying the whole time. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is a generational talent as an actor. Shit works <laughs> when he does it that you don't like. Uh, that would not work with other people. Kind of the same way that yeah. Th 
I mean, you you watch the Ferris Bueller's Day Off a little more closely, and like Ferris Bueller should be on some sort of watch list, but with the <laughs> impish charm of Matthew Broderick, right? Uh, who himself should maybe be on a watch list for running over that person in Ireland. Uh, now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tip my hand here though. I, yeah. I do think we see the upper limit of JTT's range for this type of character, and wow. I think it might just be because he might be a little bored with it. Like yeah, he might've already made the decision to go to college and like, this might be on his horizon as the last movie he's going to do mm. um, for a while. It, Cause I, I feel there are comedic moments that I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like you gave it. You're all there. <laughs> well, and I guess, I guess he, uh, even a JTT half ass is still a pretty good amount of ass. There's so much ass there that even no, when he's not, not giving you the full ass. He is technically still a minor while he filmed this movie, so I'm not going to go there with that. Yes, um, that's uh, okay. That's leave leave it to me to get into uh, really problematic territory. Um, let's uh, let's start getting into this now that we're a half hour into this episode. Hey, uh, you know we're still doing better than Wild Hogs. I think we can get this one in in one episode. Folks. I hope so. Um, why don't you uh, take us through just the first act, and then we'll zoom in on a few things. Okay, so we start out the movie. We get a look at this uh, nice, ritzy California uh, prep school slash private college where he he goes. Another reason, another uh, another strike against this being a college is that uh, one of the we first meet him when he walks up to a locker and lets uh, his little nerd friend assistant out of it. So, like any environment where students have lockers and people are getting shoved into them, doesn't feel like college. I digress. I, okay, well, yeah. I, if we're just gonna immediately zoom, yeah, I, I've never seen a college that don't, actually don't has lockers. Zooms. So yeah. We, we don't have to immediately zoom. We can unzoom. I'm just calling that out because it came to me. Okay, we, we well, meet, then I'm going to return to it. We, we meet JTT's character, Jake Wilkinson. He is very much like kind of the equivalent of Morgan Freeman's character in the Shawshank Redemption. If there's something you need, if you want like, you know, <laughs> candy that's forbidden on campus, or if you want test test answers or something like that, you go to him, you pay him money, he'll get it for you. He's got a little nerdy assistant who runs around and does all of the busy work for him. Uh, everybody's getting ready to go home for Christmas. He has instead exchanged uh, the plane ticket his dad got him for two tickets to Cabo San Lucas for him and his girlfriend, Allie. But, uh, you know, Allie refuses to go to Cabo. She wants to go back home to their hometown in New York, in upstate New York. Uh, and then uh, JTT talks to his dad, played by Gary Cole from Veep, on the phone. And uh, it kind of comes out in their conversation that JTT's mom died a few years ago. There's a new stepmom in the picture. He clearly doesn't get along with her. Clearly, he hasn't been home for Christmas in a couple years. He's clearly trying to avoid his family. And this is where his dad tells him, like, well, hey, if you if you come home, you know, I'll give you my Porsche. And uh, JTT is suddenly very interested in this. Uh, we, But then at the same time, there's this trio of jocks at the school who want his help getting some answers to uh, to a test that's coming up. He gives them some beepers, and he has his little assistant uh, get the answers to the test and try to be instant messaging the test answers to the jocks from his computer in a show of 90s technology that no child today is going to understand. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then, Are they going to understand the, the grade system from Ferris Bueller, though? I, I mean... I mean, no, prob- probably not. Honestly, I'm not fully sure I understand the computer hacking scene in Ferris Bueller's <laughs> Day Off. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
anyway, these these three jocks, you know, he's, he, they are getting the answers texted to them by JTT's little assistant. But then JTT's nemesis Eddie, who is also competing for his girlfriend's affections, uh, catches his assistant in the act, uh, sabotages the test answers, so all three of the jocks wind up failing the test. They get so mad about this that the day before JTT is set to leave, they uh, they grab him at a party throw him in a car, and then we just smash cut to JTT waking up in the desert wearing a Santa suit. Um, oh, boy. Okay, l- oh let's boy. pause the Santa yeah. suit stuff for the, the next yes. part of this, because there's a lot to just zoom in and on here. Um, yes. First is, okay, I, I'm going to go 30,000-foot view here. Okay, so you're zooming even further out. Yeah, I'm zooming way, way, way out, which yeah. is um, to not even talk about the movie. Uh over the credits, you, we've just got typical Christmas music playing. Yeah. So this is a, a more of a que- uh, musical Christmas question mm-hmm. for you. How did jazz become associated with Christmas? I don't know. The, 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 like easy listening jazz. The the all of the Christmas music in this movie is very much the kind of like Bing Crosby or kind of like fifties like boom boom bum bum have a merry little yeah. Christmas that kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. I think it must be just there was a generation of media personalities or tastemakers or whatever who grew up in the 50s listening to their parents put on the kind of, you know, the Rat Pack Christmas album or something. Uh, yeah, their, the Dean so. Martin, Frank Sinatra Christmas. I, I have to say, the, the, the movie being soundtracked with, with all those songs, it honestly didn't bug me. I kind of liked it. I don't no. really like Christmas music, but I kind of like either. all of these. This this genre of kind of crooning music reminds me of like, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, the, the music that they play in Italian restaurants. And I guess it just made me... And okay. I, I, no, 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 no. So this just, is, <laughs> Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. Okay. And and Louis Prima, thank you very much. I don't know. For some right, reason, right. just I hear I hear that kind of music and I just think about, oh, I'm gonna order some spaghetti. This is gonna be nice. So I I, I don't Wait, know. Wait, so are you saying that at Christmas you you crave Italian food? I mean, I I think I've had Italian food on Christmas before. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> what one one year my my no my family my parents and I are not religious. One year we did go to a Chinese restaurant on Christmas because we heard that Jewish people did that and we wanted to do it as a goof. So I'm not I'm not bound okay. by any cuisine. <laughs> I'm not going to even touch that one. What? That's um, a thing. It's it's a known thing. Uh, Elena Kagan made a joke about it during her confirmation hearings like 11 years ago. Take a look. Uh. Yes, these songs are these songs are a choice, and I think that's part of why this movie doesn't feel pandering to me because they didn't put a bunch of top forty hits that the kids are gonna like in this movie. The NSYNC Christmas album. Yes, exactly. Right, right. Um, so okay, I, I have to admit we got off to kind of a awkward start for me with our introduction to JTT in this movie because, uh, as you had said in the synopsis, he's going through the halls of this college that has lockers what yeah okay i'm sure listeners are going to write in and go i went to a college with you know with lockers have you ever been to pepperdine college all these you know private institutions blah 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 there's going to mm-hmm. be lockers some sort of shit i get it i've never seen one yeah so if, until if i see one i don't believe that they exist if your college had lockers i got bad news for you it's a scam school your diploma doesn't count uh <laughs> sorry but that's not even, that's not even the point i wanted to make he he uh, finds his friend who's crammed in a locker and, you know, says, hey, did you get uh, everything I asked for? And um, he slides 
through the the vent of the locker, um, JTT some concert tickets. Uh, who, who was that band that he was going to go see? I don't remember the band he was going to go see. Who's oh, band? really? Because it, it's indicative of whether or not you should uh, continue talking to a person. Uh, um, <laughs> he was going to see Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I don't think that's like the determining factor of you should keep talking to someone. They had some hits. You know, some ants were marching at the time. Talk to someone in 2023 who's into the Dave Matthews Band still, and you let me know if you want to keep talking to them. Okay, listen, I admittedly, I don't know anyone who's still into Dave Matthews Band, but I also do know a lot of people who listened to Loads of Tool when they were JTT's age in this movie, so I'm just not inclined to judge people for what they're listening to. I, listen, I, I would be shocked if there were people who listened to Tool uh, in 1998 who are still listening to Tool in 2023. There's, that, the, there's a couple of them probably out there. Maybe. Um, that's a, a, a rabbit hole I guess I don't want to go down. Uh, but I guess I, I have to draw the correlations where there's correlations. The, he's, he's rocking the Zoom frosted tips. Yes. Oh, yes. Age but this appropriate is, this for is, him. Yeah, eight years before then, which just <laughs> shows how out of touch Tim Allen was. You you said that we were supposed to stop talking about Zoom, and yet here you well, are. Well, I'm dunking but, on it. Okay. Oh, okay. Zoom dunks are different than Zoom talks. Yes. Uh, okay, but so what? The Frosted Tips, the Dave Matthews Band tickets. Yeah, um, I was immediately like, oh, boy, what kind of what kind of character am I getting here with the old JTT? I mean, it's, but really, the the biggest thing you can say about his character is just that he is, he is cool. He is so cool that I actually found it aggressively off-putting at the beginning of the movie because he's just, yeah, every, like, I he's kind just of wheeling and dealing everywhere and like, hey, I've got that thing for you. Hey, you want this? Hey, hey, quick, quippy line, quippy line, there, hey. I'm, I'm 17 I, years old, but these lines were clearly written by a, like, guy in his late 30s, hey. Maybe you know the term for this. I, I don't remember it offhand. It's something merry when a character just has no flaws and can go through a story without any conflict. They just are naturally good at everything they do. I mean, it's, that's not Mary Sue, is it? Like in like Mary in fan Sue, fiction? I think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's that's uh, when you've written yourself into into the the story, into the fan fiction oh. story. That's where okay. that's where it's you as Harry Potter's new best friend. Oh, interesting. Okay, maybe I've got some wires crossed, or the person that was telling me this has some wires crossed. But yeah, was their name it, Mary? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, the start of this very much feels like a a character that's just like he's got no problems. And yeah. Granted, this is a movie where he gets problems, and that's fine. But for this first introduction, I'm just like, I can't relate to him. I, yeah. He's just—he's a little too cool for school. He's getting a little too many things. He's kind of a liar. He's kind of a wheeler and dealer. Like the only thing he's skating by—you called it earlier—is just his his charm, his natural charm, and, and also the fact that like his you know his little assistant nerd buddy who also looks to be like ten years old. Another mark against him yeah. being a college student. Like he he doesn't he a does not seem super concerned that his. Buddy has been shoved into a locker. In fact, he makes his friend push the mail for him out of the locker vent holes before he lets him out. And also just when, whenever there's the situation like this where there's the older kid with like the younger familiar who like does his bidding, <laughs> I'm always like, what's the kid getting out of this? He's not getting yeah. paid, is he? Like what? I don't know. Oh, my God. 
All right. So I, I have one more uh, uh, music comment before we continue. Yeah. Which is um, JTT is going right after he has that moment with his friend in the locker. Yeah. He goes to uh, Jessica Beal, his girlfriend's um, dorm room, and mm-hmm. he's met at the door by her roommate, a basketball player who is easily bribed with granola bars or, you know, natural natural valley like fig bar yeah kids kids just go nuts for granola bars oh man they're so (laughs) hard to get to when you're a child it's just weird that um you know in your like morgan freeman from shawshank redemption uh comparison like he's literally got everything he's got something to bribe for every situation and every person there must be a kid like me at every strangely laid out college in America. That's sort of, okay. you know. My musical comment here is he he bribes her, tells her to go away so that he can sneak in and because uh, Jessica Beale is asleep on her bed and JTT hops in bed with her and, and uh, forces her to spoon him uh, until she wakes up. But we get a we get a shot of the dorm room and I, I'm just fascinated the way I was with Brad's room uh, mm-hmm. on the show mm-hmm. of what they decide to put on the walls for uh, for college students. Mm-hmm. And we have here, Truman, an appearance of a band. Oh, uh, a band poster. Yeah. Of one smashed mouth. Oh, hello. You mean from the soundtrack to Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> this this is long before Zoom, yes. Uh, yeah, I know. This is like the prequel to Zoom, but with, with the the frosted tips, the Smash Mouth, everything, all of the antecedents of Zoom are laid out here. Maybe maybe the reason that his mother died is because she was killed by concussion. Uh, uh, Tim Allen's brother in the oh film Zoom. <laughs> Wait, does that mean Gary Cole is a secret superhero just kind of in hiding? Listen, I've I've long believed that Gary Cole is an average ordinary superhero, but uh, that's just me. Um okay, so okay, Smash Mouth poster up in the room. That's uh that's pretty good. Yeah. And then uh you know, I would imagine that that's got to be since this is a Disney movie and they're college students and you know, sexually active, it's probably a euphemism that this is the room in which they're smashing mouths. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Disney really wants us to to see that. They they wait the entire movie to smash mouths. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's, he's talking about this trip to Cabo San Lucas together, you know, that he's exchanged Mm -hmm. his dad's airline ticket for this. I think this is part of why it starts to wear thin for me. You know, he is being so suave and cool and I've got the thing everybody needs, but then it's also like, yeah, my dad bought me a plane ticket so I can come home and and see him, but I I exchanged it so we can go to Cabo together. This is something that we have done repeatedly. And I just lied to him about you know, oh, I have to stay. Like, like that he just is very casual and flippant about, yes, I'm lying to my dad, et cetera, et cetera. And then also when we find out, th- the fact that his mom died is yeah. sort of underplayed in the movie. Not really, like there's not a lot of of kind of introspection about, okay, so you're doing all this cool shit so you don't have to think about this trauma. And then also gotta, just the fact that like his, his dad is probably going through it too and you're aggressively yeah. avoiding him. But I got to be honest, I, I, I'm kind of glad that they don't dive into that. I, I know that it would True. deepen the characters and stuff, but like from the popularization of Spielberg through today, I feel mm. like it's just a trope that there's, you know, a broken family, a, a widow or a divorce. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. can we just have why, – why does it always have to be a thing? Just like yeah. – I know that it's rampant, and but it it feels overrepresented as a way of 
uh, you know, shortcutting, uh, uh, you know, forgiving this this kid, you know, his personality because he's had to make his own way in life, you know. Yeah, you know, and that's a good point. You know what? And I, 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 I take back any criticism I leveled because this this fun fluff Christmas movie didn't thoroughly interrogate the trauma of losing a parent <laughs> at a formative age. Probably not the thing that kids are lining up to see. No, but yeah, I do have another note about what you're saying. Uh, getting the the um the the airplane ticket and then yeah. uh you know exchanging it and meanwhile when we get introduced to eddie he's driving his car and there's just a bunch of affluent white people walking around and eddie backs his car into a beamer and it's just like at a certain point i'm like these friggin' rich kids why 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 are we yeah 90s were so enamored with I guess it's not even just the '90s. I guess it's still happening. Just we just love to watch movies about rich kids. These these kids these these preppy rich kids are all going to graduate and they're all going to get nice office jobs and they're going to turn yeah. into the protagonists from American Beauty and Fight Club and The Matrix. We're like, girl, I have a stable <laughs> job that pays me six figures and I'm angry about this. Yeah, this is just this this whole this whole era of 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 problems, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. So I don't know. So there's then the whole matter of the I don't know. Do we want to talk about how he gets in into uh, trouble with the jocks? Like what else have we got from up front? Uh, let's see. Um, here's something that's nothing. When uh, he backs into the beamer, when Eddie backs into the beamer while he's gawking at um Jessica, Jessica Beale. Beale. Yeah. Uh, the beamer starts going off the the car alarm. When did car alarm stop talking? I think I I you know I think that that was a thing. I think there was like. One year of models of cars that had the step away from the car, step away from the car. And then I think that all, was, that, got, any, was it, that effective? No, I think it wasn't. I think it got clowned on so hard by everyone <laughs> that people buying cars were embarrassed by it. And auto oh companies were immediately like, oh, no, we, we, we can't do this. This is Jay Leno has made jokes about this every night for the past eight <laughs> months. We cannot do this anymore. Oh, my God. Um. Okay, this is another nothing thing, but uh, just it, it caught my eye. You know, whenever you have a school, you know, a classroom on screen um, or a principal's office, you know, you name it, there's always a, a portrait of the president in the background. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and I don't know that I've ever seen one of Bill Clinton before. What was he? I've, I feel bad. There was a portrait of Bill Clinton in this movie and I didn't see it and comment on it. That's <laughs> when they're when they're taking the exam and all the beepers go off. Yeah. Right at the start of that scene, there's a portrait of Bill Clinton next to the chalkboard. Oh, my God. I mean, I but also very on brand. I mean, it's, you know, a school full of uh, school full of just white kids rampaging, having a having a good time. No problems. Nothing to worry about. It's all going to be fine. Um. Okay, yeah. so should, should we? Because I got one more note uh, that happens at the party, but um, should we just acknowledge uh, the possibility that we this is actually Randy? I mean that he never went to Costa Rica, and that instead he just went to California and yeah. Just- lying to his i mean look we've we've speculated in little bigfoot that mark had another family maybe (laughs) maybe randy got another family too yeah maybe maybe i I, I I don't know i mean it's just there's a lot of crossover in terms of the character like it almost feels like uh uh 
Randy had a, a sliding doors moment where <laughs> he could have gone in the direction he did on the show, which was, you know, becoming conscientious and writing and, you know, uh, the ever the crusader. Uh, mm-hmm. Or he could have gone down the precocious route and continued to scheme and develop into, you know, this kind of lying con artist character. And this is the version of Randy that uh, didn't make the bus that day. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. This is like kind of the Blade Warriors type <laughs> Randy. This is the this is the the Randy who was like you know ste- stealing the the stuff that they were supposed to donate to the kids or something. Like yeah, yeah. like th- this is this is the more mischievous Randy. Um, but this is not the Randy who wears uh, knee pads and shoulder pads when he uh, goes rollerblading because they look cool. He knows that that shit doesn't look cool. Okay, uh, let's speaking of that talk about his scheme here the yeah. the pagers <laughs> the the pagers the, the, let me rephrase yeah. that the pagers <laughs> yes the pagers ladies and gentlemen uh <laughs> otherwise the, known as beepers yes he so so these these three jocks are already pissed at him because he got them fake ids that didn't work when they tried to go to the viper room shout out to a venue in los angeles um that in and of itself is racy because it acknowledges that, oh, these kids want to drink underage and JTT is facilitating that for them. That's, oh, boy. That's pretty I got big. A, I got a note about that in just a minute, but keep going. Uh, so, but then he, yeah, they, they, he says, hey, I'll make it up to you. You know, you got this history test coming up. I'll, I'll fix that. His little buddy gets him these beepers and they've got the beepers and they throw, they, one of them throws a copy of the test out the window and his little buddy gets it and then runs to JTT's door. <laughs> I love that to, you just have named him little buddy. I mean, they didn't give this kid a name and they do this kid no. so fucking dirty in this movie, by the way, which I'll <laughs> talk about in just a second. So yeah, but then but then yeah, so he's on JTT's computer in his dorm looking at the yeah. test, googling the answers basically and then sending the uh the responses. <laughs> he he's using a knockoff uh uh web browser called Notify. Yeah. <laughs> they could they, they they just I mean, they've gotten a little better at it now that the internet's been around for so long, but for for just such a long time the fake movie internet was always hilarious. <laughs> Also, I don't know. Th- this scheme is like okay. I, I there's just so many things to talk about. One, like this wouldn't work with open answer, you know, essay questions. No, this is would not. strictly like multiple choice only scheme. Yeah. Um, also, I realized we weren't in the cell phone era, but like you have three kids with their pagers going off all through the exam. Fucking teacher class yeah the, the teacher is like looking up as their beepers keep going off and they're like oh uh sorry like our parents are sick or something like i don't know they got some excuse for why they're getting these and it's like just just like you're you presumably went to college teacher you hopefully are kind of smart and can figure out what's going on here these three yeah. shifty jocks <laughs> um okay i want to talk about the party can we get to the party yeah. So uh, yeah. So after after the attempts to uh, after the attempts to to cheat on the test are thwarted by Eddie, uh, his nemesis. Yeah, we cut to the end of end of semester party or something, which is happening on campus. And I don't know. I guess we don't see what's in those cups, but it seems like kind of a we do. Yeah, we do see. What's well, in the we cup? we see what's in JTT's cup. Yeah, what's in his and cup? The, this cool Dave Matthews loving uh, Cabo going. 
white kid from the suburbs uh, that's trying to get his dad's Porsche. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's rocking a, a big old glass of milk. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah, he is. Hell yeah. Hey, man, you, well, look, because he, he's got milk, you know? They, they were at the height of that. <laughs> that was the cool thing. Cool kids had milk mustaches on their face. Hmm. When did that ad campaign come into... Yeah, I guess it was earlier than that because MJ had one. Yeah, no, it was in the er, yeah, it was in the late eighties, early nineties, but it yeah, was it okay. was still going strong at the at this point in time. Right. Um, but yeah, so he's he's there, he's he's drinking some milk when he gets accosted by the uh, bullies who are very upset, or by the jocks who are very upset about what happened with the test. And you know they they exact their revenge, which we'll get to in a second. But I I want to make sure we do our due diligence here because I I lost the thread a little bit myself of. What exactly is the back and forth and the expectations between JTT and Jessica Biel here? Well, okay, so she, like, he's saying, let's go to Cabo, let's go to Cabo, and, well, he's he's saying that, and she's like, no, I want to go home and see my family, like, you right. never go home and see your family, why aren't you doing that too? She's kind of upset. And then I guess he has the call with his dad where his dad offers him the the Porsche, the, the Porsche yeah. if he can get home. And so he then he, tells Jessica Beale, yeah, you know what? I've decided I am going to go home out of the goodness of my heart because I love my family. And he doesn't mention the Porsche. Now, but at that point, this is where I'm getting confused. I, I get that. So, But he exchanges his Cabo tickets. Wait, he exchanges the ticket his dad got him to go to Cabo. But then yes. he changes it back from Cabo to New York. Yes, and all plane tickets to all destinations cost the exact same amount, so this is very <laughs> easy to do, yes. They're rich kids. They can pay the difference. But is he planning on – does he have two tickets? Is he going to be taking Jessica Beale to New York with him on the flight? Is that the plan? I, I guess. It's very unclear how all of these young people are – intending to get from California to New York. Uh, well, in a, this in a is why I, I get confused, because smash cut from the party, JTT is um, in the desert, and Jessica Biel is sitting there waiting for him, and he never yes. shows up. Yes. And th- th- there's some sort of mechanics that happen to get her to accept a ride with Eddie across the country. I guess Eddie's mm-hmm. also from New York. Why are all these New York kids in the Palisades College? I don't know. Yeah, but. yeah. And and also, like, why yeah. wouldn't she just buy a ticket at that point? What, what this is? Look, this is the thing. This is the old manest thing I've ever said on this podcast. But to Jessica okay. Biel, I would just say, "Where are your parents, young lady?" Like fucking okay. Like, hey, why didn't they make arrangements for you to get back in the first place? Why was there not a plan? Yeah. Why were you just banking on JTT buying you a plane ticket? Secondly, okay, he doesn't show up. Hey, mom, can you guys get me a new ticket? Uh, no, okay, my, I guess my I'll just boyfriend is deadbeat. Yeah, my boyfriend has disappeared. Who, uh, who you presumably know? We've been together for a while. Like she knows his family. Presum- they know hers. But no, it's just, I'm going to get in a car with this strange dude who I don't super like, and we're going to drive across the country. So yeah, I guess it's going to okay. take me several more days than you think it is to get home. So th- this isn't as kind of chaotic and asinine as I thought it was by thinking I didn't follow it very well. No, no, it's it's chaotic and asinine. Unless we both <laughs> missed the same amount of stuff, okay. it's just kind of like... Yeah, they're, they're, everyone is playing really loosey-goosey with how they're going to get to the other side of the country by Christmas. Okay. 
Good, good. I'm just glad we're on the same page. I just want to make sure that I I didn't like zone out for a second because I what, did. What? I watched this pre cat, so oh, uh, of course, I, of course. I, I have no excuse for being distracted. You were a different person afterwards. Look, I'll just say <laughs> I went to college in Eugene, Oregon, which is two hours away from Portland, Oregon, where my family lives, and the the and lots of other kids there were f- kids, students, whatever. We were all whatever. There weren't lockers, so it was a real college. But, like, the amount of finagling and thought and wheeling and dealing that went in and planning that went into, like, how's everybody getting back up to Portland for the holidays? When are you going? Hey, can I get a ride with you? Are you taking the train? Are you taking the bus? What do you do? Like, it's on everyone's mind. And I love that in this movie, for a much greater distance, everyone's kind of just like, I don't know, I'll figure it out on the day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, we wouldn't have a movie otherwise, I guess, but... Yeah, and thank thank God for that. Okay, so look, Let's... we need to talk... Yeah, we yeah. need to talk about his little buddy, though, because, like, and oh, then we okay. need to move on. Because yeah. he's accosted by the jocks at the party. They're mad about how the test is blown up in their face, and he's he's duped them once again, and they... Should, should we mention also, because we didn't mention, that in addition to getting him Dave Matthews tickets and, and actually running this whole P- pager scheme, um, he forced his little buddy to get up on the roof and dump snow outside his girlfriend's window. Yes. To, to momentarily amuse her like for, <laughs> for one second, he makes Is his this little buddy almost break his neck. College, uh, uh, frat initiations are getting way out of hand. Yes. College high school frat initiations. Yes. Um, <laughs> But so anyway, when the guys accost him at the party, they're like telling him, ah, you know, the, you know, nice, nice try with the beepers, whatever. And he says, yeah. And he just is like, wait, where's, where's my little buddy? I, I don't know the name of his friend. He doesn't say where's my little buddy, but like he's, he really, wait, where is that guy? And we just get a quick cut to the, where is that guy? to the uh, locker hallway. I mean, look, he probably doesn't know this kid's name. That's how dismissive he yeah. is of the guy who does all of his dirty work. But we get a, a smash cut to the darkened hallway full of lockers, and we just hear the kid pounding on the inside of his locker yelling for help, and then we cut away. That's the last we see of him. So as far as we're concerned, this this poor child spends like two weeks trapped in his locker while the, oh his God. family celebrates Christmas without him. Imagine the smell when the, <laughs> the students arrive in the new year. Yeah, what, what, what smells worse, the, the locker with a maybe dead body in it or JTT's Santa suit after his cross-country trip oh that includes my God. 5K? I, I had a note that I had to erase because they acknowledge it. But when he re reunites with his family at the end of this movie, after not having changed once uh, or even been able to shower, I'm yes. like, how Gary Cole, how are you hugging him? After, <laughs> Your nose would be bleeding with pungent smells. Well, and also when they say you smell terrible, it goes, Oh, I was, I was trapped in a carrier with a farting dog. And it's like, yeah, you were, but the dog farts aren't what, made you smell bad dude <laughs> right, there's right. other like it's the 5k you ran and and yeah anyhow oh my god uh, i forgot he ran yeah okay yeah so um, so sp- speaking of running we are running too long so they you know we just smash cut from the the jocks accosting him to him lying flat on his back in a santa suit in the middle of like the mojave desert yeah and a how did how did he pass out I mean, he was drinking milk. What happened? Did they, like, conk him on the head? Did yeah, I think it was him? a Back to the Future situation. The uh, hard way. <laughs> and, but but then also, it's like the, the level of, like, these jocks 
worked so hard on getting back at him. They they found yes. a Santa suit in his size. They glued him into it. It's like the beard and the hat are stuck to his head. All, all of this, they drove him out to the middle of nowhere, far from any road, dumped him out. Like, guys, if you applied that much effort to studying for your goddamn test, none of this would have been an issue. <laughs> no bully Fucking has ever worked kids, this man. hard. Rich kids, I guess so. But so th- this right. takes us into the second act. It does. And um, take us through the halfway point, and then I'm, I'm going to derail us, uh, I think, with my theory. I all right. So, all right. Okay. So JTT's in the desert. He comes to. He's got a note from the guys. Like, try to talk your way out of this one. He's like, ah, fuck. Oh shit, cocksucker. He says all of these words, <laughs> screaming them into the heavens. Uh, he try. He finds a phone booth. Tries to call his girlfriend. It's not gonna work. She's already on the road with with Eddie because she thinks that she's been ditched. Uh, and he starts hitchhiking. So he gets a ride with some old ladies who are going to see Tom Jones. Uh, along the way, he starts throwing up because I guess he's car sick or something. I loved it. I thought it was great to see this in a movie. They kick him out of the car. He winds up getting picked up by a ne'er-do-well in a van. And maybe you're thinking, uh-oh, what's going to happen? No, no, no. This is like a a funny, friendly, uh, pseudo-stoner burglar yeah. ne'er-do-well. A uh, Disney stoner. A di- yes, a Disney stoner. Which just- is just to say an idiot. He's just a he's just a dumb guy who is very fixated on eating a fast food cheeseburger and almost runs JTT oh, over on the so side of the road. Me, but we'll that was there. absolutely disgusting to watch someone uh, pick up a tomato off the disgusting floor of their van and then eat it. Yes. Um, but getting your vegetables, I suppose. Uh, driving along with that guy, they get pulled over by a cop for speeding, and then he sweet you know he tells the cop, "Oh no, we're just taking all of these all of these toys to the children's hospital in the next town." So they go to the children's hospital and they give all of these stolen home appliances to the kids, and then the cop is so touched Which, by this. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, I mean, uh, th- that's absurd. We'll get to that in a sec. Okay, Afterwards, all right, all right. the cop is so touched by this. He says, hey, can you help me get my wife back? She lives in Nebraska. She's mad at me <laughs> because I was trying to, uh, I, I guess, because she saw me kissing an ex-girlfriend when I was drunk off Jägermeister. Kind of a horny Disney movie. They go to <laughs> Nebraska. He helps this cop get his his, you know, his uh, wife to move back in with him. As a show of thanks, the cop buys him a bus ticket to New York, but at the bus station then he sees on the local news that uh, his girlfriend Allie and Eddie have wound up in the town of Amana, Iowa, where there is a Bavarian Christmas village that they're staying at, and he sees them kissing under some mistletoe, and he's like, oh, fucking cocksucker, shit, dick, piss, I have to oh. uh, get there. And ex- Again, direct quotes, I'm reading straight from my notes. Yeah, that, I have you, to... you've taken us blazing past the halfway point at this point. Oh, okay, I have to get to, I have to get to the Bavarian village. Okay, all right, wh- whatever. Like, that. that is, there's a bunch of fun and games on the road. Uh, Ye- yeah, okay, this is the point when I want to ask, before we, before I get into my theory here, um, because we, we are now, like, watching we're, we're kind of parallel storytelling between JTT trying to get home and Jessica Beale and Eddie trying to get home. Yeah. And I don't fully understand the narrative necessity for following the Jessica Beale storyline. I, I don't understand the narrative necessity. I also don't understand the spatial logic of it because that too. Yes. Eddie, Eddie and Jessica Beal are in a car driving at a fixed speed. JTT is like hitchhiking. He is stuck 
by the side of the road trying to get someone to pull over and pick him up for seemingly hours, and yet he keeps randomly winding up in almost the exact same place as them. Like, he almost catches them at, at <laughs> yes. the roadside. He's in cars, passing them a couple different times. Yeah, it's when like, the, the, he spots them when he's in the van with the stoner and says, you know, follow that bird. Yeah, exactly, exactly, which is, you know, that they're speeding, and that's why the cop starts following them. Yeah, I don't get what that really adds. It doesn't, because there doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of urgency to it, because it never seems like Jessica Biel is particularly interested in Eddie, yeah, there, well, yeah, there's no, like, dramatic irony where we're learning something that JTT isn't knowing and so is adding suspense. Like, we don't, as you said, there, there's never any question that they're going to hook up. No. Uh, so by the time you got there, when they kiss on TV, you know, there's, it's not like, oh, shit, what's happening? It's like, oh, okay, well, JTT will get there and the, you know, confusion will be, you know sorted out like i'm not ever really worried about it and it just feels like it's filling time yeah another thing that i don't really understand as as he's making his way on the first leg of the journey like okay so it makes sense that the guy in the van nolan we call him i guess it makes sense that he's dumb and he keeps calling jtt santa like i I don't know i guess because he's dumb I'll buy that. that well, that he's Santa's he's the not name. the only one in this movie who that's, calls him Santa. That's the thing, because then then the cop Max is his name keeps calling JTT Santa as well, and it's like, yeah. dog, you're a grown man. A Santa isn't real. B, right. you know this is clearly like a teen in a Santa suit. Also, is, also, okay. But because then the cop says to him after the whole thing where they give out the toys at the children's hospital, and it's this sweet moment. Except they're not toys; they're like microwaves and vacuums. But then the cop is like, hey, I feel like if you if you could go talk to my ex-wife or you could talk to my wife for me, she'd take me back. You'd do it the trick. Like, wh- why would why would a smelly boy in a Santa suit who your <laughs> wife has never met before, why is that going to convince her to forgive you for Frenching your ex-girlfriend at a party? Like, it, do- it doesn't – like, it, it, it has the vibe – of any given RPG where you come into a new town and <laughs> right. everyone is like, hey, I just met you. Here's a huge problem in my life. Will you go fix it for me? Like, hey, <laughs> hey, complete stranger, there's these mutant rats that kidnapped my daughter. Will you go and kill them? And then I'll I'll surely give you a discount in my shop. Like, Oh, my God. Um, yeah. All right, are you? I, I think I have an explanation for this. If you're ready to to bend, uh, bend a few rules of reality. Yeah, let's let's bend them, man. Let's bend those rules. Okay. Um. So this kind of goes back to the beginning of Act Two, where he's stranded in the desert, and he's you know he finds himself in the Santa suit, and to me, his personality starts to change a little bit. Now, I would be ornery as well, you know, yeah. in his situation, but yeah, I like agree he becomes. Be really complainy he becomes very you know kind of just bitchy you know his his feel-good attitude is going out the window um, yeah he's just he's taking on a certain patina of personality yeah um he's he picks up a know, rude dude he's definitely got a rude dude now this got me thinking <laughs> he's got a santa suit on yes and suddenly oh, no. His personality changes oh, into something God. that has a, a ring of familiarity to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you know what? The, he he keeps taking the beard off or trying to take mm-hmm. the beard and hat off, but he can't. <laughs> he can't. Okay. So here here's what I'm thinking and or, or wondering. 
did Tim Allen, because Tim Allen started getting ornery and shitty in season three. Yeah. I After he did the Santa Claus. And I'm wondering if the yeah. Santa suit <laughs> transforms a person into this this curmudgeonly character. Uh, which makes me start thinking now, like, at this point, Tim Allen had done the Santa Claus. He wouldn't do the Santa Claus 2 for another few years. So, you know, what happened in between those years uh, with the suit? Uh, maybe it's not the same suit. I don't, maybe there are multiple Santas. There are multiple Santas if you watch the Santa Clauses. Yes. I, is which I is JTT going to appear in Santa Claus's uh, season two? We'll find out. Um, that would be a huge coup for Tim Allen if he could get JTT to come out of retirement again after already appearing on Last Man Standing. So here's my question. Like, if if JTT is starting to take the personality that Tim took on once he, you know, took on the Santa suit, are is is JTT becoming more like Tim? Oh or was Tim becoming more like Santa? And is JTT becoming more like Santa? Is Santa really the asshole? Is it really Santa or is it Satan? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean... I don't think of Satan as an asshole necessarily, though. Yeah, That's the you. thing. Like, I mean, right, I, took it, not, I took it one step too far. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to stake out an aggressively pro-Satan uh, uh, position on this podcast. Although I will say that the Church of Satan is pretty dope. But uh, <laughs> I, okay, I, look, I, I I do like though. Th- like, listen, you, your your train your train of thought it eventually derailed there. But for for a while, you, you were really <laughs> cooking. The idea of putting on the Santa suit makes you meaner. Because I don't think I've ever seen a person wearing a Santa suit in a movie who is, who is you know, canonically not Santa, who is not being an asshole. Like, think of any yeah. of the department store Santas you've seen in a movie, like A Christmas Story or, like, Elf. Bad Santa. Bad Santa. Like, it's, they're I've all... seen a few reindeer games, even. Yeah. <laughs> you, okay, so you've, you've seen the movie Reindeer Games. Yes. Have you seen any other Reindeer Games besides the movie I, Reindeer no, Games? No, I've seen the movie Reindeer Games multiple times. Okay, I see, I see. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, But yeah, like, there's never there's never a department store Santa or a person wearing a Santa suit in a movie who is, like, being really cool and nice and generous. Like, the, that right. is just the oldest trick in the book is like, ah, they're dressed up as the most famously nice person in folklore. Here's a fun twist. What if they're nasty? What what if what if a pint-sized liquor bottle were to fall out of a pocket and shatter on the ground? Oh my um, god. Yeah, there no there there is something about that that suit turning you into a huge douchebag. <laughs> All right. Well, to get back to the the text of the movie and not my ass nine theories. The, the, the um, rich rich succulent text of I'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> that when he is, you know, frustrated in this moment, uh, I think the funniest part of the movie comes uh, very early on for me. It's always these little tiny moments um, that they get me uh, that are unexpected. Um, yeah. I don't know why the movie Serendipity sticks in my mind where uh, after a particularly frustrating moment uh, in the middle of winter on the sidewalks of New York, John Cusack kicks a, a pile of snow and it just like sprays off screen and he goes, oh, God, I'm so sorry <laughs> to this character that we never see as <laughs> if the snow like smacks someone in the face. And that always made me giggle. And so this moment reminds me of that where he's on the phone at this gas station in the middle of nowhere and a tumbleweed keeps 
keeps <laughs> rolling into frame towards him and he kicks yeah. it and it it just kind of like floats in midair lands and then rolls towards him again yes <laughs> and he does it like a couple times and that tumbleweed really just got me good i know i love i love that too i i think why the little bits stick out to us so much is because that is often where a truly absurd piece of comedy can live in an otherwise mainstream yes. film. And also as people who have both been kind of around or on sets before and involved at some level in the creative process, that is usually when like someone involved, like those little bits are where like an inside joke on set or something that people come up with on the day can really take root in, you know, other stuff will be so micromanaged, but that's where like, Oh, Hey, the, you know, the, this tumbleweed kind of blew towards him twice in the last shot. Hey, let's let's have it be a bit. Let's let's tie a string to it and have it keep hitting him and attacking him. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> There's something that feels spontaneous and fun about it. You want to hear something spontaneous and fun. I'm watching this in the background and I am cheap, so I didn't spring for the ad free experience of Disney+. Oh, Plus. Um, and we, we haven't had a JTT Bigfoot crossover, but... There are Capri Sun commercials with Bigfoot in them playing during this movie. Close enough. Close enough. I mean, it's still it's still not Taron <laughs> Noah Smith falling in a river, but uh, but <laughs> well, we're yeah, close. okay, that's yeah, we missed that on our bingo card. Um, um oh, I I want to actually, if I can zoom in on the cop once more and, and yeah, some okay, more cop let's stuff. go to the cop. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he he has given JTT this this inexplicable quest. Like you're the only one who can convince my wife to take me back. They go to the steakhouse she works at in Nebraska. Mind you, he is a Colorado state police officer. He drives in his official car wearing his uniform, presumably on duty, to Nebraska with JTT. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like what are we paying these people for? Is there not any better way? Anyway, they he goes in to this <laughs> restaurant. The steakhouse is called Turf and Turf. That is funny. There's also a... There's a sign-up in there that is hilarious. It says... Finish our 32-ounce sirloin in an hour, and your third helping of potatoes is free. Beautiful. <laughs> mwah, mwah. Chef kiss, chef kiss. Way to go, I, pro, you know, production designer. I really appreciate you not only finding uh, these little jokes that aren't drawn attention to, uh, but... I appreciate your appreciation for them. It, it's like it, that is just like that is uh, that is a thankless bit. It's in the background of of JTT doing some business for like two seconds, but uh, I saw it. <laughs> I appreciated it. But so he goes in. You know, he's trying to like. He, okay, so the cop is waiting outside. JTT goes in, tries to convince his wife, a waitress, there to take him back. The cop has given JTT one of his walkie talkies and is then trying to communicate stuff to him Cyrano style from outside. And the wife is really angry about the whole thing. A, I just think that that's a funny use of like, okay, yeah, you've, you've got, you've got a cop character. Let's have him be using his equipment to give JTT this little mission. But then what JTT ultimately figures out to, to get these two back together and, and, you know, and, and complete this quest and get the XP he needs to level up to a bus ticket (laughs) is there is a traveling band that stops nearby, so he gets these people with fiddles and banjos to come in and play a song for, um, for the, you know, like, background instrumentals while the cop sings this song to his wife about how he's sorry. JTT is, like, scribbling lyrics onto the back of his ticket book and handing him lines. <laughs> and the cop is really off-key, and he's out of beat with the music. I don't even remember what it's supposed to be to the tune of, but they... Like, as he's doing this, everyone in the steakhouse 
is kind of just amused by it. The, everyone seems to think it's kind of sweet. JTT is just mm-hmm. dutifully scribbling line after line and handing the tickets to him to read. And then the cop eventually gets really into it and goes off book and starts like singing about how I'll make it. Uh, I'll make it up to you. Oh, it's it's Oh Christmas Tree. It's to the tune of Oh Christmas Tree. It's like, yeah. I am sorry. I am sorry. But then by the end, when he goes off book, he's like, I'll make it up to you on the velvet skirt of the Christmas tree, being all sexy with it. <laughs> and it, like, I, everything about J- this is J- just... JTT, JTT's being an old uh, uh, CDG here. Uh, CD, what's a CDG? <laughs> a Cyrano de Bergerac. Uh, th- or C- CDB. CDB. <laughs> you know, I, I, I take CDG all the time. It helps to calm me down at night. It helps me sleep. Uh, it help, it helps me get a woman to like me, even though I'm not actually the person she thinks I am. Um, but it's, it's just, it's sweet. Everyone is kind of charmed by this. I think the actor is playing the cop and his wife are both really endearing and, yeah. and like, and then later they're at the bus station and they buy him a, uh, you know, they buy him the bus ticket. And as he's walking inside, they're just full on making out against the side of the cop car. This is, <laughs> this it, is it, like, uh, um, the couple from Groundhog Day, uh, yes. like, Michael Shannon. 15 years into their marriage. The, the one played by Michael Shannon and his wife who he yes. gets the, the yep. WrestleMania tickets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, it's exactly that. I think this is just why when I say the movie is good-natured and not, like, mean, like, it, mm-hmm. it's this. Like, I feel like in... In California Dreamin', everyone would be, like, frowning and wrinkling their nose at this. But all these Nebraska steakhouse aficionados are just really joyful and happy that they're witness to this moment. <laughs> and it makes me kind of just enjoy the whole thing more. I don't know. It's a fun scene. I hope, I hope those kids scene. are okay. I hope that cop goes and becomes a teacher or something, like Przbolewski did on The Wire. Anyway. Um, I want to I wanna go into a meanwhile and talk a little bit about Jessica Beale and Eddie uh, yes. on this this road trip. Um, a Beale while, yeah we uh <laughs> we get some fun and games with them as well before they like stop for the first night um yeah where they uh you know they talk for a little bit you know uh, we didn't talk about her accepting a ride from him but uh she lays down something that i thought was pretty not not what's the word i want to use pretty aggressive for uh progressive and aggressive for a Disney film in 1998 where she's like, I will accept this ride from you on one condition. Uh, you will not make any homophobic, racist, uh, misogynistic, sexist, yeah. <laughs> sexist jokes uh, at all while we, or, or I'm going to hit you. Yeah. If you make a pass at me at any time, I am going to hit you. If you think about making a pass at me at any time, I am going to hit you. Yes. Uh, if I feel like, I'm like it, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> exactly it's uh i don't know that that kind of like came out of nowhere i was not expecting that and like more power to her i i yeah this is the thing this is what i'm saying it's like her th- that is her character is unusually feisty in an otherwise kind yes. of thankless role and unusually woke for a movie made in the late 90s so i i <laughs> yeah respect that Agreed. well done jessica um, beale you're a catch so that kind of sets the stage for their fun and games where they're in the car. Um, and first, first and foremost, I mean, I was going to talk about what they're talking about. Uh, she sees in JTT, but first let's talk about the dance. She's singing along 1998 dance music was yes. just unlistenable. I can't, yes. I, it might be my least favorite genre of music ever. 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 rowdy. I don't remember what it was she's singing along to, but even Eddie seems to be upset by it. I, rightly so. I didn't think I'd ever be on Eddie's side in this movie, but I, I am not on board with 1998 dance music. Honestly, I gotta say, I'm kind of low-key on Eddie's side a lot in this movie. He's one of the <laughs> most likable and agreeable villains I've seen in a movie. <laughs> Well, okay, so this is a, a big note I had for me, uh, which is when he asks her at one point, like, listen, you know, what, what's he got that I don't? He goes through and says, like, I'm sensitive, I'm a man of the world, I blah, 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 blah. And uh, she thinks about it for a second, and she gives him this weird answer, um, which in a, we- a way feels, like, too real for a Disney movie. Like, this almost feels like it's coming from one of the writer's lives. But mm-hmm. yeah. um, she's like... Okay, well, this one time it was raining, and he said, uh, "None of the rain in the world has his hands as small as yours," or something yeah. like that. And yeah, Eddie's like, "Uh, f- fucking what?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "It's E. E. Cummings," and uh, he's like, "Okay, poetry, cool. I know poetry." <laughs> and my my okay, we can talk about that, but just my general note is. In the history of time, maybe, well, in the history since Victorian era, okay. has poetry ever worked on a woman? I don't. I think that's... Or a that man, is, for that matter. That is a thing that only exists in, in movies. Again, it's like, in movies, putting on a Santa suit makes you an asshole, and poetry yeah. makes women's hearts melt. I mean... I, I One time, after five dates with a, a girl, and I felt like it was going well, she went out of town for ten days... And the day that I knew she was coming back, I just I wrote like a little cheerful uh, haiku and left it on her doorstep. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want to fucking do anything more with this guy. That is creepy. <laughs> and, like poetry does not work. Well, OK. Now, was it now? Was it the was it the poetry or was it the fact that you went to her house when she wasn't there and left something for she her? Lived, she lived at the end of my street. It wasn't like I went across town in L.A. to do it. Like, OK, I, I okay, walked fair. five minutes to her fair. place. Fair. All right. I, I guess a little better. Yeah. No, I, I just don't think. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't see how. Because if it was really just that simple, like, if that actually worked in real life, then frat boys would all be out there being like, uh, shall yeah. I compare thee to a summer's day? Uh, <laughs> right. Like, they wouldn't need crib notes. They just need a, a pocketbook of sonnets. Yeah. Uh, do you ever notice how sometimes the fog comes in on little cat feet? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I <laughs> Dare I eat oh a peach? God. Uh, I, I'm going through all of the lines of poetry I know, none of which Dear helped God. me get any women. <laughs> uh, that last one was from Face Off. That is not a piece of poetry, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> no, no, listen. Yes, it is from Face Off. It is also poetry. Um, I, well, look, I do, though. This is also key to me liking Eddie, though. She, you know, he, she says that thing about, you know, he said, oh, the, the rain doesn't have hands as small as yours, or not even the rain had hands as small as yours. And he goes... Okay, well, not even the corn had such big ears as yours, <laughs> which is like, I mean, I that is that's funny. It, I don't think it's necessarily mean spirited because he's kind of laughing as he says it, and also, yeah. I kind of respect that it's like he's not trying so hard to get with this girl that he's not afraid to clown on her a little bit, <laughs> right? And also, even though he is like. I guess sort of like he clearly <laughs> likes her and wants to get with her, he is not 
violating boundaries at all in this movie. Like, it, they they stop for the first night at a hotel. He tries to walk in the same room with her. She pushes him back out. Whatever. Okay. But he's never, like, making moves. He's never, like, yeah. trying to kiss her. The he next does time wind- they're in a uh, room together, she's like, I didn't expect that um, this would be the, the first uh, – or that I'd be in something like I, this isn't how I pictured you know, us being in bed together for the first time or something like yeah. that. Yeah. She's under the covers and then we do a slow pan over to him and he's like got 16. He looks like uh, Joey in that episode of friends where he just has every item of clothing on. Yeah. And, and but, and he's lying on top of the covers wearing every item of clothing. He even has like an overcoat draped across the lower and portion mittens. of his body and mittens. And he says to her, would you like me to put on more clothes? Like making a genuine offer. So she'll feel comfortable. I, I'm just saying, I get that he's the bad guy, but he's pretty, he, like, he's a pretty woke bad guy. I don't mind him really at all. Well, okay. So let, let's, I like to do this with the movies every once in a while. Let's look through the prism. Like, this movie is trying to position JTT as the hero, and th- thus we take it for face value. Looking through the prism, I mean, what does JTT have that Eddie doesn't? I, I mean, you know, Eddie is not—listen, Eddie seems to—this is the—JTT is engaged in all kinds of schemes that are— varying levels of dishonest. He is lying to his yep. family. He is engaged yep. in academic dishonesty, like helping people yep. cheat on tests, which in college you can get expelled for that. That's a big deal. He is, yeah, he's frequently dishonest. He's trying to get of, her to go on a vacation that she doesn't want to go on because he yeah. wants to go yeah, on it. Kind of manipulative. Eddie does not seem to be breaking laws. I mean, I guess if he had some, maybe he had a hand in JTT winding up abandoned in the desert in a Santa suit, which, okay, that's not great, but he's committed I don't think he does, fewer though. crimes. Yeah, I think he just has a hand, at, like, so maybe he shoves the little buddy back into the locker and sabotages. I don't but think he, he does that either. All, well, no, all he, he does, all Eddie does is cue the three bullies into the scheme. I mean, he, he's not part of the the bullies. He's not part of the bullies. I mean, he does like he does. He is the one who interrupts the little buddy and stops yeah. the like the academic dis- dishonesty. But then also it's like, yeah, you stop people from cheating. Like you're kind of a narc, but you're also <laughs> like trying to uphold the 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 uh, uh, standards of the institution. I yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, I know. I I would think that if he's the one that's that's tipping the hand here, like the bullies are going to be the one that seek out the little buddy to put him in the locker. They're yeah. the ones that are grabbing JTT and throwing him in the desert. Eddie, Eddie's scot-free here. He he really hasn't done anything except express his desire for this beautiful, intelligent woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who, who, and uh, you know, and it's like that, and he's not being overbearing. He's being way less overbearing than Sam Malone on Cheers. I mean, maybe that's not a good yeah, right. yardstick for anything. But, uh, but anyway, it's more like a inch stick. But yeah, well, and and then and then probably Sam or maybe Norm has some has some note about. Oh, it's uh, probably uh, more more inches than you think there. Uh, whatever. Uh, so so the, do we, are we ready to go to the Bavarian village at this point? The Christmas village. Yes, because we are just we're so. Freaking close to my favorite 
actor in this movie. I can't wait to talk about him. I mean, but we've already talked about Gary Cole from Veep. Uh, G- Gary Cole, by the way, like it's an achievement that the most underwritten character in this movie is a middle-aged white man and not the teenage girl. So I guess that's that's great. But Gary Cole, a prince given nothing to work with, it is a damn yes. shame. Uh, just a yes. just a crime. Um. So anyway, as as JTT is getting on the bus, he sees on TV a local news report from a neighboring state, I don't know why, about, oh, we're at the Bavarian Christmas Village, and everyone's getting in the spirit of things, and he sees, oh, Eddie and Allie are there, and the news crew has them under the mistletoe, and they're like, oh, look, you two are under the mistletoe, you know what that means, and so they kiss, and that, you know, basically, uh, Steam metaphorically shoots out his ears. And even though his bus is bound <laughs> for New York, he knows he has to get to Iowa, to this Christmas village. Uh, so JTT is on the bus. He MacGyvers together the most insane plan that that takes advantage of the most gullible busload of people. He takes a cooler, oh he puts a piece of meat in it, he takes some crayons and writes, like liver for, you know, Allie, what's-her-face, you know, in in Amman, uh, Iowa, you know, emergency, whatever. And then he acts like, oh, I just found this. Oh, did you see this? And everyone on the bus is like, oh, my gosh, this is a live organ transplant that somebody needs, and it has to go to this girl in Iowa. And then everyone on the bus goes up to the driver, and it's like, you need to get this to, to Iowa right now. We have to make a detour. Iowa, Iowa. It, <laughs> I mean, it's like a cooler with handwritten crayon on it and all of these people buy it also jtt has before before hatching this plan he's tried to just go up to the bus driver and ask him to take a detour and the bus driver is like get behind the yellow line no 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 we have to make we're on a schedule uh similar to santa's in movies always being an asshole what what like bus drivers aren't great we could we could do a whole podcast about movies featuring weird and eccentric greyhound yeah. bus drivers. No, there, there's one exception, and it's Sandra Bullock and Speed. Oh, okay, tr- true, true. When even then, like even then, the bus driver who gets shot and she has to take over for him is he might be weird and eccentric too. Well, yeah, I guess we don't get enough time with him to find out. Yeah, it's a tragedy. I'm just saying the the bus driver is <laughs> second only perhaps to the mailman for the most clowned upon profession in all of American cinema. <laughs> yeah. Um but so they go to, you know, the the bus takes him to Iowa. He jumps off the bus with the uh with the cooler. It doesn't matter that he has the cooler. The whole thing was a lie. He sneaks into the uh he sneaks into the the hotel there where Allie and Eddie are staying. He is able to figure out what room they're in. He bursts in to confront them. To confront them. Uh Allie is there and then Eddie comes out of the bathroom shirtless wrapped in a towel and he is JTT is raging at Allie for, oh, what would you do? I saw you kissing him. Look what's going on. And Eddie, for his part, is kind of going like, oh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's been yeah, it's been pretty nice. Things are going pretty well for us. He's, like, making it seem like they've really been connecting romantically. Uh, and uh, in, in response, JTT pulls Eddie's towel off of him. We're going to talk about that a whole lot. And then um, JTT is able to get Allie to... I don't know, not be mad at him for accusing her of cheating and being all angry. She's being all sweet with him, but then when he mentions that, oh, if we need to make it home by 6 o'clock. Why do you have to get home by 6 o'clock? Uh, because my dad promised me the car. And then she realizes, oh, this whole thing was just you being selfish. She ditches him. She goes, she gets on the bus in his place and leaves him there with Eddie. Uh, to start driving home. Yes. Um, which doesn't... I think we can go a little bit further. Like that doesn't go very long. Eddie's like, "Yeah, get the fuck out. This isn't this isn't 
vibe with my reputation. I don't want people knowing that I, you know, that I helped you, especially when we're, we're, you know, nemeses. And yeah. so he, he kicks JTT out on the curb in the middle of this town. Yeah. Um, in Wisconsin. Yeah. In, in Madison, Wisconsin. Good for you. Good. Did, did you, did you cheer being represented uh, on the big screen? No. Cause this is definitely Quebec. Oh, <laughs> and you didn't cheer for Quebec. Come on, dude. Um, Okay, uh, where where do we start? Because I have about fifteen minutes of notes about the bathroom scene uh, at the bus station. Okay, okay. Well, before we get to any of that, I do just want to talk. Like, well, we'll just wrap up my comments on Eddie Loki being the good guy. JTT okay. has been dumped by Allie. She gets on the bus in his place, and then it's just him and, and Eddie are left there in town. And we cut then to him and Eddie in Eddie's car on the road, both singing along with the radio. And kind of just like commiserating about like, oh man, she dumped you so hard. That was ice cold. I felt bad for you. And like, you know, and then you know, so they're, they're having like, you know, and JTT's talking about how yeah, I'm going to get home, I'm going to get the car, I'm going to drive back to college, I'll figure something out with Allie. But I don't know, it's it's this sweet moment where like they're nemeses, but Eddie is still like extended out of, you know, giving him a ride out of the goodness of his heart. And then, of course, <laughs> Eddie suddenly pulls over and is like, I- I'm being way too nice to you. This is just not my vibe. If word gets out that I'm doing this, it'll be bad for me. Hey, look, I got you as far as Wisconsin, at least. He pushes him out of the car. But like... I, that's Why are they just... in Wisconsin if they're going to New York? I know it makes no <laughs> sense. Wisconsin doesn't go through anything. I don't know why they drove up to Wisconsin, but I don't know. I, I just again, Eddie's like, I yes, he does ditch him, but he gets him closer to his goal. Like he's such a helpful, chill bad guy. <laughs> I I I know that I talked a lot about JTT being my best friend when we were talking about home improvement. I'm just saying, Eddie might be, like, one of my closer acquaintances. He's, he seems like a neat guy. Okay. Um, all right. Let's talk about, because we have 15 minutes on this bus depot uh, bathroom scene, and then Great. another 15 minutes about being on the bus. Yeah. Um. So this, this okay, how does JTT get to this? He he helps the cop uh, get his, wife, his wife back, yeah. and... Um, he's now like about to get on the bus. Uh, this is right before he sees the news broadcast of the kiss. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know why JTT is in, um, the bathroom practicing his Santa. Maybe he's starting to feel this, the holiday vibe a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's helped someone more than one. Cause he, he gives the, the, presents back to those kids and he the last kid there is like yeah i don't i don't want your stupid you know hand vacuum i I, i'd rather like be home with my my family for christmas and you know he goes on this long list that's semi racist a little bit just like he he's definitely you know mexican or latin american and Going on and on and on about every single family member. I, I, my, mi abuelo and mi abuela and mi tío and mi tía and yeah, it's uh, over. It's just so many. Uh, which you know, whatever. It's it's as I said, Loki. Anyway, um, so maybe he's just like feeling the vibes here, and uh, he goes into the bathroom to, I guess, try out his ho ho hos. Right. Yeah. And this child, uh, this like Ron, <laughs> Ron Howard stepping out of a time machine from his Opie years, uh, 
walks out of a bathroom stall while uh, JTT is practicing his ho-ho-hos. And JTT goes, okay, tell me what you think. Um, and he gives them three versions, like ho-ho-ho, ho-ho-ho, and ho-ho-ho. And the kid, <laughs> kid's like, hmm, okay. Well, the first one's good if you're talking to little kids. Uh, the second one is good if you're talking to kind of older kids like me. And the third one is, um, I don't know, not that good at all. No, it's good if you want to scare someone and make them run away. <laughs> good if you want to scare someone. And do you remember what JTT says here? Because the kid's line is priceless. I, I do not remember what JTT says here. Okay. This is such a forgettable scene. I'm surprised that you've zoomed in on it. Well, this kid is just like, he, he comes out of nowhere. He just stepping out of this bathroom stall. Then he has these like deep opinions about JTT's uh, just spontaneous <laughs> performance. And uh, so when he gives these these three assessments, JTT goes, wow, well, you know, I really appreciate you uh, uh, giving me your honest feedback. And the kid goes, hmm. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then walks out of the, the bathroom. Uh, no point no. <laughs> to having this scene in here. But this kid has just like, he, he gives zero shits. I, I just love that he's like, he steps into <laughs> the, the situation and he's like, he, he's not like whatever right out the gate. He's like, okay, let's see where this goes. I, I'm bored with life. <laughs> um, th there's a... a you know, teenager, uh, older teenager, young 20 something dressed in a Santa suit, saying stuff to himself in the mirror. And he's asking me his opinion. OK, I'll give him my honest opinion. OK, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, but then JTT's like, so, you know, I really appreciate this. And he's like, what, what do I care? I'm just, yeah. I, I'm just passing through, man. Like, I, this is what life is throwing at me in this moment. I mean, that is, but that is being a kid, though. Like, you're young, you don't have a really good sense of the world. Weird shit kind of just happens, and it's like, I guess this is what life is. I'll just roll with it. He, 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 he seems to have like a a, a worldly, a worldly, you know, like nihilist attitude about it. It's like, whatever, nothing means anything. <laughs> I look I remember this is a scene that I remember from like catching this on TV with like my my cousins when I was a kid and I remember them saying like oh that kid's a bad actor and even then and now I was kind of like I think that kid's actually a good actor just doing a very deadpan unamused child yes. I I think that yes. I like the it, it, that performance Ooh, has stuck you. with me for a while <laughs> Sorry Bill is sneezing hmm. um Right into the microphone. So that, everyone that, that, that was that was adorable, though. <laughs> Good morning. You have a nice sleep this entire time. She's been lying on my shoulder. Oh, I know. Um, okay, and now she's blocking my mouth through the microphone, so I can't talk. Okay. Uh, let's Great go content. to the bus scene because uh, I have questions and and comments about the scheme he pulls on the bus. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I feel like I, I feel like I, I gave, I gave it a good overview already, but I you mean, did. yes, you I did. mean, he, but yeah, like more questions to be had. He puts like, he puts like a piece of, because he, he's the the bus driver's refusing to go to to the Bavarian town. How am I going to pull this together? Oh, and he like looks around and he's putting it together like in a MacGyver episode. It's like there is a there's this guy with a cooler full of full of ice and food in it, and there's this guy next to me who's slathering up a piece of like barbecue on a sandwich with sauce, and there's this kid no, coloring. No, 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 hold on, hold on, because this is one of my notes. It's not barbecue on a sandwich with sauce. It's 
<laughs> he is holding a plate of raw meat and putting barbecue sauce just on a plate of raw meat. Yeah, it's on like a bus. Yeah, it's it's it is a disgusting cut of meat, whatever it is. I want to assume that it's been cooked in some fashion, but it literally looks like he's eating. It, it was not. It was it was raw meat. He was just holding little slabs of raw meat on a plate. So that raises a huge number of questions. Like, like, did this guy just yes. get onto the... And listen, I've ridden Greyhounds. Weird shit happens. But, like, I've never seen a guy with a plate of raw meat, <laughs> just like steak tartare or whatever. And But then... Yeah, agreed. There's that. But then also, it's like, he looks around at all three, and then it's just like, next shot is him with the cooler sitting next to him with the writing on it, like that it's an organ transfer, and they open yeah. it, and there's meat inside. So we never see how he goes to each of these three people, and it's like, hey, can I have your cooler forever? Hey, can I have one of your pieces of meat that are evidently very important to you? Hey, can I have your crayons? Like, he just, I don't know if he's stolen them or what. <laughs> okay, that's my note, is... You are in close quarters on a bus, right? Yeah. And uh, you are basically holding all of your worldly possessions that you have with you. Yes. Um, your your question about how do you get raw meat like that on a bus, I don't know. But the more important question is how do you steal raw meat without that person knowing? Like, I if you are bringing raw meat onto a bus, you aren't being nonchalant about no what where that raw meat is at any given time no no raw meat is not a thing you can really just set down and and leave unattended (laughs) um yeah so i i was just like also there's this like thing that comes into play here that we haven't really seen throughout the rest of the film but we get you know kind of a sense of it but he goes through this like almost sherlock moment where time stands still and he is piecing together all of the things and you can see the the equations swirling around his head as he is putting the scheme together and i thought that was pretty silly i'm and also just speaking to the close quarters of the bus because like he you know he sets the cooler down then in the aisle and like then suddenly starts ignoring it and kind of clears his throat or something so the lady next to him will look and see like oh young man is this yours oh no that's not mine that's just been sitting here oh look it says organ transfer whatever so like he cobbled all of this together like one inch away from the rest of the people on the bus like and how their response isn't like no, no, kid, that's not an organ donor. That's the piece of meat that you stole from that guy and put in in that guy's cooler. And we've right. all watched you writing organ donor on it with crayons. <laughs> yeah, I, th- this is a, a bridge too far. This is the, the moment where the suspension of disbelief goes a little too far for me. But. Even, even by the logic of a Disney teen movie about being, you know, hitchhiking across the country in a Santa suit, this is a little too unbelievable. But but again, <laughs> but again, though, like, the per the, like, good-natured stupidness of this movie, suddenly everyone on the bus is immediately like, we must get this liver to this little girl who needs it in Iowa. And, like, there's two, like, soldiers on the bus who are, like, get, getting up in the driver's face. Like, are you going to deny this girl the liver that she desperately needs? Like, and it is just that everyone is so charitable and altruistic in this world. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I mean... In a way, I kind of wish the the movie had leaned a little bit into its deus ex machina, where it's just like, 
we realize this is a ridiculous no one acts like this so like leaning into the absurdity of everyone like <laughs> playing playing in i don't know um let's keep going let's let's is there anything else that we didn't touch on uh bus scene or otherwise in the bavarian village uh before we're dropped off in madison uh the only other thing he's in the bavarian okay. village he barges into the room with his girlfriend and with eddie eddie oh, comes out the in, in the towel so eddie is shirtless with the towel wrapped around his waist pretty low might i add and he is like this is a guy who works out. He is in good shape. He looks really nice. That is the point of him being shirtless is to maximize JTT's insecurity about this guy being in a room with his girlfriend. So, yeah. and Eddie is really like, you know, rubbing it in, twisting the knife about like, oh yeah, we've been together every night. We've been having so many good times together. And so JTT rips the towel off of him and only due to a, a strategically placed pitcher of orange juice are we blocked from seeing his, his weenus. <laughs> it's- but it's <laughs> seconded only by Austin Powers. It, it is it is it is not that strategic, though, because we see a lot of this dude's inner thigh like it is a bunch. That's one thing. <laughs> and just also on a on a, uh, a a strategic level, if it's like if I'm feeling insecure about this hot dude spending lots of time with my girlfriend, <laughs> the way that I get back at him is not going to be like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sh- let's get a look at how big your dick is, you otherwise very well proportioned, beautiful, uh, working out a lot, man. <laughs> like that's no, that's not going to work to your favor. <laughs> um, I, that's I I I don't know. Uh, I not a move I would do, but um. It, it's it's just an interesting move all around for a Disney yeah. film targeted at kind of a teen audience to just that openly be like, hey, you know what? He's naked. There, that the Jessica Biel it, it is was. looking at it this guy's shocking. penis right now. <laughs> that that was shocking for sure. Um. Uh. Okay. Bela has fast forwarded uh <laughs> by walking on my keyboard. Wow. Um uh, to the the one k uh Santa race. Oh, oh, okay. Well, it's a it's a five k. B you just don't want to talk about Eddie's penis, but that's fine. I don't. Uh, because yeah. maybe he's underage too. So yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, JTT winds up in this town in Wisconsin. That's where uh that's where he's dumped out of the car, and he the town is Madison. The town is Madison. I've been there. You should try it. It seems like a great place. Uh, he notices I, all- as far as I know, unless unless it just hasn't come back pre-pandemic, uh, we don't have a Santa 5K. I feel like then that's like the only town in America that doesn't have a Santa also, 5K. This this town is so you know like quintessential uh, Middle America that it, it this does not in any way, shape, or form capture the vibe of Madison, Wisconsin. No, a, it does not. A little offensive to the degree it's it's not capturing it. Yeah, no, yeah. There is not. They don't go by like a single indie bookstore or uh, or coffee shop <laughs> right. or anything like that. Exactly, um, exactly. I mean, I granted, I wasn't here in '98, so what am I? Do, what do I know? But yeah, well, no, that's that's a, that's a known fact that Madison sucked up until shortly before you moved there, um, <laughs> but. Yeah. So yeah, he he's in this town. Oh no, what am I gonna do? He sees all these other people dressed as Santa running around. Oh shit! There's going to be a Santa Claus 5K with a one thousand dollar cash prize. So JTT goes and enters the 5K. He doesn't have the ten bucks he needs to enter, but a friendly local by the name of Jeff pays his entry fee, and yeah. so he runs in the race, and then he wins. 
it just, he beats all the other Santas, including a Kenyan long distance runner who's there. Uh, but and he gets his money, uh, his cash prize, and then he's on his way to the airport in the cab. But then he finds out from the cab driver that oh well, the guy who wins every year who you beat, uh, that's Mayor Jeff, and every year he donates the the one thousand dollars to buy turkeys for the homeless. And JTT is just like, <sighs> turn around, and then so he goes to <laughs> Jeff's house and gives him back the thousand dollars to buy turkeys. And I'm like, dog, you could you could like. Take two hundred dollars or whatever for a plane ticket. Give Jeff the eight hundred. That's still a lot of turkeys. I mean, I'm not. I'm not here to say that we shouldn't be generous to to the un, the less fortunate or anything like that. I'm also just saying. I I don't know. This seem, you're going a little above and beyond here. Like I, he I, listen. I I he's a rich kid trying to get a Porsche. I don't care too much. I, I don't care too much. I just like, I care on a character level. It's like, you're so self-interested. <laughs> you're so obsessed with getting the Porsche. Like you really, you're going to like complete, like mail the money to the town in January with interest. I don't know. I don't know. He, he goes to the airport. That's going to be too late for the turkeys. Okay. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just, I, 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 I don't know. It, it's not important. He, okay. he gives the money to the, to the mayor. He calls his, he tries to call his parents to like get something figured out. His sister picks up. She offers to uh, use her birthday money to buy him a plane ticket to get home. She works out a uh, kind of hilarious password that he gives to the uh, booking agent at the ticket counter where he says like, I'm a, disgusting, uh, awful, smelly pig who doesn't deserve to live, and my sister is an awesome queen, whatever. Um, <laughs> but they still won't let him on the plane without picture ID, even before 9-11. Fascinating. Uh, and so the only way that he can get on the plane is he sneaks into a carrying case with a big dog. The dog farts a lot while they're on the plane. Ha ha ha. Uh, almost, a, almost a plane, trains, and automobiles moment. Honestly, yes. Then, speaking of trains, he gets off the the flight in New York. He jumps onto a commuter train uh, without a ticket. They throw him off uh, because he doesn't have a ticket. He then, basically running through the streets of his hometown, he finds a Christmas parade that's getting started. He steals the sleigh and rides the sleigh to uh, his girlfriend Allie's house and goes and apologizes to her and, like, I've been an insensitive jerk, but this is a genuine I'm sorry, and then they smash mouths. And then he tells her to get in the sleigh with him. They go to his dad's place. They make it at 5.59. And he says, okay, great. I'm going to wait then because he doesn't care about the car anymore because that's not what Christmas is about. It's not about cars. It's about other stuff, I guess. Um, and then at 6.01, he go takes his girlfriend and goes. He knocks on the door and comes inside. Everyone's happy to see him. Oh, you smell terrible. Ah, well, the dog was farting. Yeah, there's yeah. other reasons. Um, his dad tries to go. ending's really messy. Yeah, this is as messy as the inside of his Santa suit. Uh, his dad... God, gross. Which is from the sweat. He ran a 5K. It's gross. I, I mean, you're not wrong. It's just, it's still gross. It's very gross. Uh, his dad tries to give him the car anyway. He says, no, nah, it's going to take, you know, probably 30 or 50 more Christmases of us working on it before I'm ready to take it. And then he also goes to his stepmom and just is, like, nice to her, uh, thereby signifying that he now accepts her. And, uh... Then they, then the Christmas parade that he's stolen the sleigh from catches up with them, 
at the house, and then he uh, he and his family all get in the sleigh, and they go riding off in it with the parade following them, and that's the end of the movie. And no one in the parade seems to be mad that he stole the sleigh from them, the good guy in the movie. Um, Eddie would never steal a sleigh. Ed, that's true. Eddie, Eddie slays on his own. Yeah. Well, and look, you know, going to zoom in on this, back in Madison... Uh, Eddie is, is trying to get, you know, get out of town, but he is blocked because they've blocked up all these streets for the 5k. And there's these two dudes wearing Christmas tree suits and he's yelling at him like, Hey, jingle balls, get the hell out of my way, you idiots. And then they turn around and, Oh no, they're cops wearing Christmas tree outfits. And <laughs> I don't want to, um, see, I, I'm torn uh-huh, because I don't uh-huh. want to be too nice to police here or anything. But another thing in movies, much like every, every bus driver is a weird freak Every person wearing a Santa suit is mean. Every cop, if you are, like, mildly rude to a cop, they will arrest you, throw you in jail, completely ruin your life. Now, I'm going to say, in real life, that is very true for people of color. Even if you're totally nice to a cop, even if you're going above and beyond, even if you're minding your own business, sure. I just just love that in movies, it's usually a white guy tells a slightly off-color joke to a cop or something, and then it's always just like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Off the shell. Yeah. Oh, the fantasy of movies. Yes. Um, Okay. Do we we wrap up? Do we wrap up? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, do do we wrap up or did we wrap up? What are you asking? Did we me? wrap up the synopsis? Because I got some stuff to zoom in on. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I talked about how they lead the Christmas parade away from. The, I, okay, and then the words "the end" show up on screen. Okay, okay we've uh, that. that's what I was waiting for because yeah. my note is, uh, whenever a movie decides to confidently end with the end title, uh, I it just it's 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 just like uh, Flash Gordon. The, the guy who wrote that um i just inevitably feel the the question mark coming in I, I that would be funny if the question mark faded up and then it's like jonathan taylor thomas will return in i'll be home for new years i'll be home for martin luther king day oh my god um yeah, so that that's just a, a always a knee jerk uh, re- reaction that i have to those um mm. Okay, where what do I want to go into? I think I'm going to go into this. Um, we talked a little bit in Little Bigfoot Two. Uh, we talked a little bit in um, some of the other movies we've covered. Yeah, we did not talk a JTT a movie because he. This is the first uh, modern JTT movie. Every well, I guess well, no, no, it's from 1990. Man of the House. Yeah, man. But I mean, like everything else was a period piece. Oh, I see. Yes, yeah. By which uh, you mean Wild man America. Of the House. That's the only one. Oh no, and well, Tom and Tom Huck. and Huck, Duh, of course. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Tom and Fuck, anyway, how did I forget? Yeah, we've been we've been charting the uh, the evolution of the Game Boy <laughs> through God. these movies. Yes, we have, and oh, yeah. uh, we we have one here that um, we haven't seen before. Is it his sister playing a Game Boy Color or something like that? His sister has a Game Boy Color, and I had forgot that the Game Boy Colors existed, that they were there shortly between um, regular Game Boy, I guess, and the Advance, was it? Yeah, yeah, or the uh, Game... Yeah, I think it was Game Boy Advance, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it's the, like, slightly transparent uh, Game Boy. Mm -hmm. You can see all the... 
You could see what looks like a bunch of Nintendo powers, but I don't think they were. I, no, I, I legit paused and tried to crane my neck and see. They looked sort of like Nintendo powers. The font looked the same, but uh, yeah. they, they may have been they may have been knockoffs. Nintendo refused to license anything for this. <laughs> Mimpembo yeah, yeah. Oh, strength or something see, it's like so that. It's not so easy to sing it. Um, uh... Okay, what do I... Oh, yeah, okay. Here's a uh, f- crazy moment in the mess of this ending. Um, when he goes <laughs> he, he goes inside after 601, yeah. and uh, he has the big hug with his, his dad, and his, his sister acknowledges what we're all thinking about, how he probably smells like a sweaty dick. Yeah. And... Oh, he, his stepmom, who we haven't really talked about at all uh, in this. Well, she doesn't um, really have much to do. No, but there's always, there's this, like, there's a little bit of this, uh, I don't want to talk to her. She's, he never says the words, she's not my real mom, but he's he's definitely got those vibes. Yeah. Um, she uh, asks, I think, in this exchange at the end, what's your... Uh, Oh, you know, she asks on a, a phone call earlier in the film, yeah. what's your sweater size? Yeah. And he doesn't answer her, gives her some lippy answer. And at the end, um, when after the hugs, he turns to her and just goes, medium. And she goes, huh? She's like, that's my sweater size. What's yours? <sighs> so bad. <laughs> it, like, that is a psychotic thing to ask. You never ask a woman her her shirt size or sweater size. Uh, yes, it's it's. This is kind of emblematic of a lot of this. The sort of psychotic way he interacts with his family in this movie. Yeah. Just the whole the whole notion of his dad being like, "Hey, son, how about this? To get you to spend time with us, I'll give you a car." Wow, really? A car? All right, I'll see you. <laughs> and that that. Like and even even after he first makes this pact with them at the beginning of the movie, we see Gary Cole hanging up the phone, and his stepmom is like, "So that you're you're bribing your son to come spend time with us? That's you know that's kind of weird." And Gary Cole is like, "Yeah, yeah but he's coming home for Christmas." It's just you oh, you boy. really think like these people really live on like it, is he wheeling and dealing and scheming and manipulating these parents as much as he <laughs> manipulates at school? Yes, he is. Ugh. Um. Let's see. Uh, what else do I got? Oh, yeah. He arrives at 601. Uh, you know, the whole deal was you be home for, for Christmas dinner and I'll give you the Porsche. Yeah. He arrives at 601. They're like, well, I guess he's not coming. Start start dishing out the food. Then he walks in after they've started serving dinner and asks if they want to go on a sleigh ride after they do everything. Like, they just leave dinner on the table. He just he just ruined dinner. He just ruined Christmas dinner. That that, that turkey's been in the oven for six hours. But no, fine. We'll let it get cold so we can go right around on the sleigh that you stole. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just acknowledge the reality of what's happening here. A manipulative, shitty, unappreciative kid arrives on Christmas after you repeatedly ask him to come. Yeah, he arrives after you've started. Eating, smelling, smelling like, like dog like shit. shit. Yeah. Okay. Good. Got that in there. <laughs> and then takes you away from dinner to go on a sleigh that he's stolen. Like, yes. This is the beginning of like, I don't know the the Holly Hunter movie that I uh, mixed it up for last week. 
Home for the Holidays, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. Where it's just like shitty people having a shitty Christmas with each other, <laughs> as families should. Yeah, exactly. It is realistic in that regard. Well, I mean, uh, and I'll take it back one further. Before he goes to his parents' house, he stops at Allie's house and you right. know, goes, knocks on the door. Allie, like, again... Young lady, where are your parents? Because she's alone in the house. Like, there doesn't seem to be anyone else there. She comes to the door. on some grand, like, (laughs) she, her parents died when she was 16. And, you know, she, she showed she was responsible enough to own the house. She was putting on some sort of ruse for the Child Protective Agency, keeping them alive. Like an emancipated minor or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, something. Uh, and she's just as had to keep this ruse up with people that she has real parents this whole time. Because, yeah, because he shows up, he kisses her, whatever, and then he's like, hey, come with me. I want to show you something. And it's like, okay. And it's like, it's Christmas Eve. Okay, I guess she's not with her family. I guess she's not doing anything. And she's just going to come with you and be a part and of this. Not going to talk about what happened with Eddie at all. No, no, not going to talk about, yeah, not going to talk about that. Um, and, oh, yeah. Also, this is this is a minor thing, and maybe this kind of explains why she doesn't have plans on Christmas. I noticed that her house is done up in a lot of blue lights, and mm. that is traditionally what Jewish families put up so they can get in on the Christmas lights thing. And it, there is mm. a tree inside, but it just is wrapped up in blue lights. So maybe the reason oh. there aren't big Christmas plans is because she's Jewish, and so maybe her parents are Did out she have getting— Chinese- well, I mean, maybe her parents are out getting Chinese takeout, and so she's just bumming around the house alone. I, I am, I am not playing into that. This is uh, not, this all. is not anti-Semitic. Ask any. Like, this is just like a joke that Jewish people talk about. I mean, I'm not Jewish, but I. This is a thing. It's a trope. It's, it's okay. All right. I'm just saying you're dingling out there on your own. I, um, I, I okay, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll dingle all the way. Oh my god. Um. What are we talking about now? I think that's all my narrative notes. I have a few lingering things. I mean, yeah. Do you want to just, I mean, linger all the way? I don't know. I, 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 as I talk about this movie more now, I do realize, like, yeah, the ending is messy. And this does validate a lot of really bad behavior from Jonathan Taylor yes. Thomas. But also, the movie is not, like... It, like a movie like Scrooge or something like that, or any of the million different A Christmas Carol takeoffs, it's always like, yeah. this guy is super mean and nasty and takes advantage of people, but then this experience teaches him the meaning of Christmas. There's not really any learning the meaning of Christmas in here. Like, JTT, like, he doesn't, like, I don't really know that he's changed that, or like, I don't see how what's happened to him along the way has changed him. He's kind of like yeah. doing nice and charitable stuff the whole way along so yeah 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 it's it's i don't know it could be a stronger movie in that regard where his schemes surprise him by how it's you know he thinks he's scheming others but really the schemes are scheming him by making him you know see the true meaning of christmas uh that doesn't really quite happen here but that's the movie we could have had yeah yeah really makes you think doesn't it Eh, not really. No. Um, the budget for this movie, uh, for their amount of fake snow, is impressive. Yes. Yes. The, there is not an ounce of real snow in this movie. <laughs> no, to, to the point <laughs> There's that... digital composite snow. There is foam snow. There is, uh, uh, what do you call that? Um, just, like, fabric 
mm-hmm. draped over in lumpy spl- splotches. Yeah, that kind of snow. Th- there's the there's the snow that his little buddy is dropping outside right. of uh, Jessica Biel's window at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fake. Uh, probably snow. some shaving cream mm-hmm. here and mm-hmm. there, a little bit touch ups. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, so that was impressive to me. Th- that was um, the house. JTT's house looks so much like the McAllister house. It, you know, and I was getting big vibes of the planes, trains, and automobiles house. Like, it's just... It, you, oh, yeah, that You too. show me a stately house that no person in our age range could ever afford in their lives, no. surrounded by snow. I'm going to associate it with a John Hughes movie. <laughs> um, oh, okay, that's my throat. Thank you. Uh, okay, sorry, Bela, just uh, put me in the throat. Nice, um, nice. Uh, okay, last note that you know I think we just need to acknowledge about Jessica Biel yes. is that um, you know she might end up with JTT at the end of this movie, but sometime between then and now she dropped JTT for JT. <laughs> now, and is that a trade up? I mean, I guess it is, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, JT. I mean, he's a he's a he's a all round performer. He can sing, he can dance, he's funny, he's good looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. He's an entrepreneur. Doesn't yeah. he have a cologne? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I feel like everybody had a cologne at a certain point in time. I think I had a cologne. He acts. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, yeah, I mean, okay, so that is a, tra- that is a trade-up, I suppose. I mean, look, honestly, good to, you know, you drop one T, and you, uh, you're still climbing socially, that's good. She dropped the T? Well, no, I mean, she dropped, a t- from the guys she was with, she, from oh. JTT to JT, that's dropping a T. Oh, I see, okay, she didn't, like, she didn't have some, like, really good gossip and found no. Timberlake that way. No, she did not spill tea. Uh, oh, I mean, spill that, tea. That, oh. Yeah, that I'm aware of. I mean, I think you can That's drop... That's different than dropping tea. Well, if, if you drop your tea, it will spill, so I think it, you get to the same place. <laughs> it's, 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 it's someone who can't keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, great. Well, I think that was a good little, uh, little alleyway that we wandered down. <laughs> what else am I good for? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, plenty of things. Being an awesome cat dad, uh, uh, you know, keeping me uh, keeping me on track when I'm trying to go on tangents about JTT's ass or <laughs> Noam Chomsky, for that matter. JTT's ass. We didn't talk about JTT's ass in this movie. Uh, I mean, well, I was talking about how he, how even when he's half-assing, he's giving a thing a lot more ass than a normal. Ass and then you were right, like, yeah, oh, okay. he was underage when we wrote this, so you shouldn't talk about this. Um, <laughs> I don't know that those are my words either. Yeah, no, they sounded a lot like that. Ooh, I have a cat on my throat now. I just sound this way forever. Um, yeah, I think. Oh, that, Truman. I, yeah, I think that's about that it. That was. I'll be home for Christmas as we are heading into this 2023 holiday season. Yeah. Um, where do we go from here? Uh, I think that we go to the movie about the uh, corporation from Dune that is in charge of trafficking and uh, harnessing the spice, and that movie is called I'll Be Chome for Christmas. And if a single listener got that joke and thought it was funny... I don't know what I'm gonna do for you, but I I owe you a lot. That's that's a pretty big and statement. There. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would I would maybe recommend amending it to an or statement. If you got that joke or found it funny, mm, yes, that's true. That's true. Okay, yeah. <laughs> One or the other. I appreciate you. Okay, but, right. <laughs> but go on, Landon. Where do we go from here? I I think I think I want to stay in the holiday spirit. Yeah, I'm worried that what we won't do you get. Think- I'm worried we won't get shagadelic though if we if we try to stay in the holiday spirit, but that's fine. Well, 
listen, we've only done one Richard Karn movie on this, Ooh. and it was epic. It was epic. I, I think we got to stick with the Home Improvement cast playing Santa Claus. All right. I think we have to go to A Dog for Christmas. A Is that Dog what it's called? for Christmas. I think, yeah, I think it's called A Dog for Christmas. I think I remember A Dog that. for yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Richard Karn playing Santa Claus in a family movie. I, I haven't even done too much research on it. I don't know if it's a Hallmark movie or... If it's just a you know kind of Christian brand family film Maybe movie, it's a, but a, a Hall Bark movie because it's about dogs. Do you think it's under the Airbud uh, production logo? Oh my god! If we if we see if this movie starts with Airbud nosing a basketball into a hoop <laughs> as a production logo, I will die <laughs> of joy. We are going to watch a dog for Christmas next week. I can't wait. Woof woof, uh, Bella. Bela, Bela can't wait. Yes, she is sleeping. Hor- she she's like, she has scaled me like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Two on that cliffside, <laughs> and is somehow asleep. <laughs> Doves are flying out of your head like in Mission Impossible Two. <laughs> we'll see how she does with the dog movie. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure she will be fine with it. Yeah, I mean, she uh, was. I I didn't say anything, but uh, a little while ago, she was uh, batting the three heads of Ghidorah on my desktop wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. She's she's uh, learning to uh, learning to face her fears early on. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. She she, she don't give no shits. She's yeah. gonna take down Monster Zero. Yeah, I mean, lots of cats don't give shits. That's also that's also true. But but Bela yeah, is but she's is confident, special. Yeah, no, she is confident. She is earning her countess title. Okay, um, that's all I've got for this week. Uh, Truman, is there anything we didn't cover that you want to cover? No, no, we have covered everything. We have covered it in holiday cheer. Alrighty then. Uh, that's a spicy meatball and P A R T Y because it's the end of the episode. If you want to <laughs> support us, you can consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where for as little as $1 per month, you can get access to our entire archive of Gruntwork Nights episodes. And if you're listening to this in the future after we've ended Gruntwork and have moved on to our next show, uh, I think that still holds true. Um, yeah, no, I think I so. I, I, we might not be adding anything new there, but I think... I think you could still pay a dollar and still get them. So, yeah. um, do it. You know, try try it and see what future. happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reach out to me. Let me know. Let me know. Um, let me know if that's true. Uh, you can also leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps us uh, get the show in front of new people, and uh, we want that going into the next show so that we have as much. Uh, exposure is possible, not as much exposure as Truman wants to see of JTT's ass. But uh, now, 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 uh, hey, now, divert. Hey, it's not. I, I, I never once expressed interest in seeing his ass. <sighs> okay, um, you did, between the lines. Um, stop by to say hi to us on Instagram at GruntworkPod, or you know what, you could just reach out to us at GruntworkPodcast at Gmail dot com if you want to keep private about it but um we we've had some new listeners uh people going through our early years oh. stuff that i'm i oh. i'm excited to bring up in our grunt work super spectacular uh things 
we there's a whole, we're reaching a whole new generation, Truman. Yeah. Oh God. Oh no. A whole new generation of grunt work listeners. Are, that are the youth. It's weird. It's very bizarre. I are, don't think she. I wouldn't call her a youth. I mean, whatever. She's young at heart. Or maybe she's young. I don't know. I don't know her age. I don't know anything about you her. S- you said a whole but, new generation, and then you made clear you're talking about one specific person. So we've got one new listener. No. No. There. No. There are a couple that have reached out. Um. And it's just weird to hear her talk about going through chronologically, and I'm like, oh yeah, well. You know, we made some comments about parenting back in the day. Ooh, boy. Just have, Ooh, some, boy. have some patience as we learn and grow. Uh, yes. And, and, and get uh, Discover how to be responsible with a microphone. Yes, exactly. And, and our two turntables. <laughs> and you can see those two turntables at our website, which is www.artworkpodcast.com where you can find more information about today's episode and all of our episodes that we've ever done on Grunt Work. Uh, I guess until next week when we continue the holiday spirit with a dog for Christmas, I have been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember... And Bella. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and That's remember, not her voice. That, I did that. That was my voice. What? That was you? Okay, and remember, you can't trust Landon. Don't trust a single thing he says. One moment he'll say his cat is talking, the next minute it turns out it's actually him. Christmas feeling. Uh oh. Oh boy, wet lap, wet lap. Disney's I'll Be Home for Christmas. Check this out. Tell me what's better. Ho ho ho, Merry Christmas. Ho ho ho, Merry Christmas. The first one's good for really little kids, and the second one's good if you want to scare people and watch them run away screaming. Okay, cool, thanks. Have you let's cool?